This is Limitless Possibility. I'm Yannick Magnan. And I'm Luc Olivier Dumeble. And this week, our topic is... Grand Turismo 7! Let's fucking Yay! go! <gasps> yes, yes, yes. But before we do, we have some follow-up. Yep. Yeah, uh, so I have some follow-up for episode 153 on Desktop Linux because the Steam Deck came out recently. And... The Steam Deck appears to have inspired uh, a blog post that I found really interesting this week called Win32 is the Stable Linux User Land ABI and the Consequences. Uh, what? Yeah, so the Steam Deck, for those who aren't uh, 100% sure, uh, is the first commercial game console to primarily run games through Proton, which is Valve's gaming-specific fork of Wine. And basically the conclusion the writer of this blog post uh, came to is that it's a simpler and safer option to ship Windows software that runs in Wine than it is to engage with all of the software packaging options for native Linux apps, Uh, which I I don't disagree with. And also it makes like the, the claim, which is also not false, that Linux users traditionally don't value a user experience enough for the choice to actually matter meaningfully uh, in whether or not they'll use your software. Uh, So yeah, I thought this uh, article was really entertaining because it it sort of says things in a really snarky uh, but also right way, which is usually how I am. And uh, I thought listeners of the show might enjoy that uh, because it's sort of the overlap between uh, sort of the running topics of desktop Linux being a joke and also uh, Windows uh, being maybe too stable of a platform at times. Uh, So go check that out if it sounds interesting to you. You also have some follow-up too, I heard. I do. And my follow-up is regarding um, the episode where we discuss electric pickup truck because this uh, two weeks ago, well, give or take, there was a lot of drama regarding uh, one brand of electric cars, and it is Rivian. Uh, more or less, on March 2nd, they just came out and said, oops, sorry, we have kind of are doing a price hike of more or less 20% on our <laughs> R1T model and one R1S models. So it was a... a price raise of at most uh, at maximum nine uh, twelve thousand dollars which is not negligible especially if you put your a reserve or you you put a, a deposit uh based on the price that they were at then uh the main reasoning from rivian was aka uh supply chain i guess trying, kind of, trying to kind of blaming covid and all that fun stuff but uh it didn't mean this price hike which sucks but Literally, I think well, one day later, uh, they went back on that decision-ish, meaning that people, because people complained so much, I'm not sure if I should say rightfully so, but let's continue first. Um, so it seems that, A, people start to mass cancel all their pre-orders, <laughs> which made free, uh, even freak out. So they are more or less backpedaling, and I'll include two a couple of tweets uh, about that uh, which more or less what they said is the price hike is still on for people that would take a put a deposit for an order today but that for people that add uh, a deposit and I'm sorry the tweets I have from, of, were from March 2nd but the announcement was on March 1st so more or less if you add an order and a deposit for uh, before March 1st they would honor the price and also they would contact you if you cancel and you say, hey, by the way, we will honor the, the, the original price. Are you sure you want still a cancel? Uh, and if you don't, they'll uh, more or less put you back in the waiting queue where you were at. So I think it, they're more or less like 
backpedaling and be kind to people that are doing that, um, which I guess they should have done that first. And I'll include a tweet from uh, Matt Farah, or also known as The Smoking Tire. I think he, he, he summarized the situation so well. And he says, just a reminder that when you are all uh, blaming dealers for price adjustment and say we should all buying direct from manufacturer, that they can go and do the exact same shit. So yeah, uh, it's more or less is a take on the whole situation saying that when people say that uh, direct from manufacturer is better, uh, no, not really. Not really. And that is it for my follow-up. So let's jump into the main topic. Hey, Nick, are you excited to talk about Gran Turismo? Uh, not as much as I thought I was going to be, but I guess I'm excited to bash on it. <laughs> okay, you, you you do start with strong statement. Um, one thing uh, in preparation for this episode, I, I realized that I think it has been pretty clear in the past few years of this podcast that we're a big fan of the Gran Turismo series of games. But in the end, we mainly did two or three episodes about it. We did an episode when GT Sport got released uh, a couple of years after. I also did episode 138, where I revisited the Gran Turismo Sport after uh, an unfold of patches and updates named Gran Turismo 7 Prologue, which was funny because my timing was bad and good at the same time because that episode was more or less around the same time that Sony announced that Gran Turismo 7 was coming soonish. Uh, so fast forward to now, uh, the game has been released and today Yannick and I will give our, I guess, our one, year, one week review because uh, the game was released uh, Friday, March 4th uh, and we're recording on March 10th. Uh, so... It's more or less about the week after. And I'd like to start by saying that we kind of got lucky. I know we entered that. <laughs> we were waiting for a physical copies. And I think that in the end, um, you were an impatient jerk and decided to cancel your copy and well, buy it online. Oh, no, no, let me finish because I think... It, uh, I also ding myself there. And then when you told me you did that, I was like, okay, I'll also be an impatient jerk, cancel my uh, my Amazon copy and also buy it online. So I, yeah. I will say that my decision was mostly informed by the reviews that showed what is available when you're offline. Mm. And, and when I saw that there was even less available offline than Gran Turismo Sport, I was like, well, I don't really need this on disc anymore. And the main reason I was getting it on disc is because I wanted a future-proof uh ps5 copy of the game right and i don't know why i i must have misread uh the giant chart that talks about all the SKUs. i was under the impression that the standard edition of gran turismo 7 was not a dual release uh, but when i went to buy it it was a dual release so honestly i probably should have done the download thing the whole time uh, but i just clearly must have misread something and that led me to get the the disc version instead which came with a ps4 digital download which again like it would be weird if that code was only for a ps4 digital download when it's a dual down i, I don't understand this shit <laughs> um, but yeah that, that's sort of why i did it and the thing is like it wasn't even shipped by the time friday came around so that same morning, here yeah so that morning i just canceled it and went to the download store and it was there and like 15 minutes later i was playing music rally so yeah 
Yeah, and it's funny that you say that your game wasn't chip. It was the same case for me. But then, literally after charging my credit card, I kind of realized I already had a charge on Amazon. So I guess mine was in the fulfillment center or something like that, like kind of close to be shipped because uh, my credit card got charged twice, more or less. Uh, I also mentioned in a past episode that I was a sucker for the steelbook cases. Um, in the end, I did not buy the deluxe version digitally. I was like, nah, I'll just buy the dual release, which was, as Yannick mentioned in a previous episode, $10 more. Ten dollars more than the normal copy. It's it's a little early to explain why, but I think the deluxe version of this game that comes with extra credits is a trap for this game, and you shouldn't <laughs> get that version if you can. Okay, yeah, no, and maybe okay, I'll say this now, and I think when I got previous games with extra credit, I always felt that it would kill um, your sensation of uh, car ownership and car collecting in those games and the joy of going to the used car market and all that fun stuff. So I was quite happy to not get that in the end, whether it was good or not, we can discuss during the episode, but not having like start the game and you have 1 million credits and it's like, okay, I can buy everything I want from the get go uh, is kind of for some people. I'm sure it's fun because they can buy the, the ultra sports car right away, but not for me. It's yeah, but I want to play to do that. <laughs> You don't actually want to buy that card in this game at the start of the game for reasons that will become obvious later. So before we start officially talking about the game and we were about to go there, uh, I think it's good to, since we didn't have that much episodes talking about Gran Turismo in this episode and we're huge fan of it, I would like to discuss about our past. So I'll start. And like I mentioned, um, I kind of gave a couple of chances to sport. Uh, I've if you re-listen to episode 75, which was recorded when we were doing a live stream, so audio might be not so great, uh, I I was pretty disappointed after playing Gran Turismo Sport, a uh, Gran Turismo Sport at release. Uh, and my opinion changed a bit uh, after the multiple updates because, again, it was an online game, and I think Polyphony Digital make good on their promise of shipping updates, even if at first it wasn't clear if they're going to be shipping a lot of updates to that game, especially for the campaign mode. So in the end, uh, after a couple of years of updates and blah, 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 I kind of gave it a pass, not being my favorite game overall, but still being an okay Gran Turismo game and having some of the benefits of great simulation and all that fun stuff that you can expect from Gran Turismo, but not having all the typical cues you get from a number game. Uh, I I think it goes without saying that both installments on the PS3 were two games that I loved, especially Gran Turismo 6. I think it was a great uh, conclusion to the PS3 era of games uh, and a good a good entry in the HD games of Gran Turismo. And before that... Uh, I am a huge fan of GT4. I've played it a lot on the PS2, but my memory is fuzzy about GT3. I just recall I utterly despise it, but I don't recall why. Uh, so that's kind of funny. And I know you have different opinions because you've been playing those older games more recently than I did. Yeah. Uh, so just in general, I've played all the Gran Turismo titles except for Tourist Trophy, even the weird ones. I have played Concept, I have played all the prologues, uh, I have played HD. Uh, You've played the PSP version? I've played the PSP version, that will come up later. Uh, 
I think the only thing I haven't played is Gran Turismo 2000, which is the prototype mm. version of Gran Turismo 3. Uh, so, yeah, that and Tourist Trophy I have not played. Over oh, the pa- just, a, just a sec. I kind of forgot to mention the PS1 versions. I don't think I've... I think I've played two, but I'm not sure about one. But my memory is so fuzzy about the PS1 versions. But I'm nearly 100% sure that I haven't played GT1. But for GT2, I'm not sure. Uh, Gran Turismo 2 was my first PS1 game, uh, so hmm. that, that was a good one. Uh, it was the first time I ever touched a PlayStation, which is really cool. Um, but yeah, over the past three years, I've played through all of the non-PS3 Gran Turismo titles, trying to understand why Gran Turismo 2 and Gran Turismo 4's campaign are timeless masterpieces. And through all of those playthroughs, I've taken a lot of notes on how rewards, the economy, and the progression systems and all of these games work and how they feel as a player during a casual playthrough, which is going to inform a lot of the things I'm going to say throughout this episode because, spoiler alert, I don't like the progression systems in this game. And I I do actually want to add like the the usual uh, disclaimer here that there are going to be things that I'm going to like claim are objectively wrong with the progression systems <laughs> in Gran Turismo games like Gran Turismo 3. Uh, and it's possible for you to like that game and also for it to have crap progression systems. Like, those are two unrelated things. I think it's a very hard to make the case that the progression system in that game is good. Uh, and some of that might apply to this game as well. But we'll get to that later on. Um, but just know that, like... I don't think you're a horrible person if you like Gran Turismo 3, and especially if you played it a long time ago and you don't necessarily remember the intricate details of it. Uh, But as someone who has played all of these games mostly recently, I have a lot of thoughts about all these games and they are fresh in my mind. And it's funny you mentioned this because, again, in the end, I was not supposed to maybe start and I was trying to plan to play some of those PS2 games now that I have a PS2 uh, in my possession. And in the end, I didn't do that. So I'm sure we might have a follow-up episode uh, I'm not making any promises, but I'm really eager to kind of revisit that. And especially GT3, because like I mentioned, I don't have a clear memory of the game, but I have a clear memory that I utterly despise this game. And I, It's like burned in my mind. It's so crazy. So, so yeah, so it's not a three, uh, Gran Turismo 3 uh, eighth episode. And I also love the caveat because uh, it might uh, apply to my appreciation of this game let's put it this way so we also have to point out that i beat the game you are like a quarter of the way through it a third of the uh, way through it no yeah well, i would say near half like 40 45 percent because as you said as we discussed just offline uh, i guess it's a small spoiler but there are 39 books it will make sense in about uh, I don't say time, but it might make sense soon. And I'm at book 18. Yeah. So I'm nearly there, but I didn't make a lot of progression in the uh, mission challenges and the music rallies and all of the other stuff too. So, so yeah. Okay, so now that the past is gone, let's talk about the future. And the way I want to go through this review is the same way as a new player of Gran Turismo 7, you would. So let's start about the intro, which first thing that is super different is how you configure the game. Because when you boot it up, it first asks you which type of controls you want to uh, use, which usually I'm a 
I am a big fan of analog control, so using the D-pad plus X and O to control gas and brakes. And no, why am I blinking on? Is that O or square for braking? Uh, you use square to brake. Yes, thank you. Because I was like, oh, mate, it doesn't make sense because it's the end brake. So, wow. I guess I have muscle memory for those buttons. But uh, this time around, I decided to go with the analog stick and use a trigger for accelerating and braking because you can, I really, especially with the PS4, a bit with the PS3 too, but especially with the PS4 triggers, they have a better uh, progressions of like, it's not a, an on-off switch. Uh, and that was a big change for me. But the, uh, that's not new. Though, the big thing that is new in Gran Turismo 7 is difficulty selection. Well, whoa, whoa, whoa. back up to the controller. Uh, Mr. Okay. PS5 owner is here to tell you that this oh, game sorry. is a DualSense uh, masterpiece implementation. A lot of the reviews have actually like said uh, DualSense implementation in this game is on par with Astro's Playroom, which is like the main showcase game for the controller, which mm-hmm. I think is pretty notable. Uh, and I am a boomer when it comes to Gran Turismo, so I continue <laughs> to use uh, D-pad and uh, cross and, uh, and square buttons uh, for my controls. I did try it out during some license tests with the uh, analog triggers, and the sensation is fascinating. I just I have too much muscle memory playing Gran Turismo with the face buttons that I cannot undo, uh, especially since, like, I've played a lot of Gran Turismo these last three years. I don't want to suck while playing Gran Turismo 7. Um, So, yeah, I didn't get the full experience. I did experience it a little bit uh, throughout the license Mm -hmm. test, and it's pretty impressive. I am looking forward to the day that you can come here and try it out yourself because Mm. I think it's one of the things I've seen PS5 owners talk the most about with this game is um, that thing. The other thing I want to know is on ps4 did you have the gyro controls option i do okay if i wanted so there was literally three options so the d the analog controls the the uh, the joysticks and the triggers and gyro controls there appears i'm not super plugged into the scene but there appears to be like some major drama regarding wheels on the ps5 huh and compatibility for wheels i again i'm not fully up to date on that but basically like people who said they were having compatibility issues with their wheels on ps5 greatly recommend using the gyro controls which i was surprised by um but apparently they are very very good and people are playing like sport mode games for real with those controls so uh maybe something to check out uh if uh you wish you had a wheel uh i i'm unsure if i should believe you i'll believe you for sure but i'm pretty surprised that people say that so i'll give it a try but these are like people who play on wheels normally which is why i'm especially shocked uh the other thing is uh in multiplayer you can always set like a a message that appears when you join a thing and i was very very tempted to use the mario kart message of i'm using tilt controls in gran turismo sport (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah yeah, yeah. that would have been quite funny knowing you that it wouldn't be really true that you do definitely not Lastly, on controls, it, it it was funny that you mentioned muscle memory, mainly because uh, I do have a lot of muscle memory using the D-pad and uh, cross and circle, but and using the triggers to usually shift because uh, I always 
put the cars in manual mode. So oh. I never use automatic. So it's funny because when you do use the triggers, it means that cross and square are uh, upshift and downshift. So sometimes I do end up smashing cross and I'm like, oh yeah, that's not the accelerator button anymore. So I'm still getting better at it. But overall, I do remember that, yeah, uh, I've changed the controls. So that's kind of funny sometimes. And that makes me uh, have to redo some licenses because I'm not moving or uh, decelerating. I'm like, what the fuck is happening? But I digress. Um, Going back to difficulty selection, which is a new thing in Gran Turismo 7. So Gran Turismo 7's simulation is pretty uh, fine-tunable, and you can also do enable a lot of... a lot of... You can enable a lot of controls and a lot of options that helps you as a more beginning, a beginner user of a racing game. So having the race line that tells you here you should accelerate and it's a, I don't know the color in this one. I think I've seen screenshots where uh, the brake zone are now like red lines yeah. on the asphalt where it says brake here. Yeah, and it's not the, shown the, on the, the racing line at all. It's just those okay. braking zones. Right. Uh, the old games used to have a race line that was blue where you should accelerate and red where you should break. Yep. I forgot if it's new for this game, but it has auto steer. I've seen it as auto steer. Yeah, and it has auto steer, auto drive, auto brake. It has auto basically everything if you want. Yeah. Which, again, correct me if I'm wrong, is new for 7. I'm pretty sure it is because it would be hell if that was in GT Sport given the entire thing is based on multiplayer <laughs> no yeah but i'm more or less referring to gt6 which that's my memory is yeah i don't think of, it's in gt6 yeah so it does mean that uh you still have those advanced control where you can literally enable disable everything that you want but you have three levels that i forgot like it says beginner i know the one i chose is expert yeah because me too. i have a lot of controls, but even on top of that, uh, because those as uh, those impact those settings that Nick mentioned, plus the one about the racing line, and also impact some of the car settings like traction control, ABS, that you can enable, disable, or uh, uh, or set to a range from one to ten. And usually, traction control, even in the re- more recent games like GT5 and GT6, that you can control that on a range value and not just on and off. Uh, I usually put it at one out of five. Uh, yeah, it's one out of five, not one out of ten. Uh, so I really put it at one. So by choosing expert, I think it just says on and that's it. Uh, but I went after in the settings and then mo- make it my custom difficulty setting by changing some of those values. So it's funny because it's at first it says expert. And then if you go in the typical settings that you've seen in GT6, for example, and start playing with that, then the difficulty level changed to custom mode because you change something. Do you want to add anything regarding difficulty? I think it's weird that basically everyone who likes Gran Turismo is going to wind up an expert. I feel like Intermediate should have had less things on. And like the the good thing about this particular thing is like I, I i don't i have trouble calling this difficulty settings this is a bunch of assist settings where like stuff is being displayed to you or is being done automatically for you but the car cpu i, I think that's a separate setting right yes that's why i'm asking you about the first setting before we go to that because i think your point is correct about 
this the first one shouldn't be called difficulty even if it is called difficulty yeah i would just call it assist and i would just turn i would just have like a preset that is like all assists off because it's really weird that like only expert has like auto drive auto break off it feels like yeah. there should there should be an in between somewhere and i guess like the because you can customize it like who cares but it's just really strange it is like polyphony digital assumes that there's going to be a, a bunch of new players being introduced by this game and i hope they're right because those first settings would imply that uh they will get an influx of new players that either are not used to play racing games uh because i, I would assume if you not never played gran turismo but you've played different racing games you will still put it at expert and not use those uh, auto drive settings if you're coming from forza i think forza has similar settings which may be why mm. they're doing it like this and not to get too far ahead of myself but i think I've gotten some criticism for saying this, but I, I think I'm still pretty right, is I think this is the first Gran Turismo game that feels influenced by Forza in any kind of way. Mm, yeah, you've told me that multiple times, and I'm surprised that we're only in the intro section of the game and you're already mentioning it. But I, I get your point. Never played Forza, uh, never seen its different setting, um, so I would tend to say, okay, uh, but... I do know from my limited experience of watching video games, uh, people playing Forza, uh, that uh, some other things we will discuss later on is really uh, Forza E. Next setting, uh, uh, before you are able to play the game, is the AI. I think uh, Polyphony Digital is making a big deal about improvements to the AI use when you use uh, you do the campaign. Hilariously, and... that hasn't shipped yet. It's shipping next year or like in six months or something. Really? Yeah, Gran Turismo Sophie is not in the game for another six months. Then what's the... Per- okay, now you're screwing up um, my notes from the intro section because then I don't understand why they ask you which AI level or which well, AI difficulty it's level you want. It's just literally difficulty. Like the AI still sucks. It's a little better i feel than previous games but it's right still not gran turismo sophie which is like next level stuff i don't think they've ever they've even really planned how they intend to use sophie in regular gameplay yet i think right now like they're what they've shown everything they've demoed is like professional racers playing against sophie in a controlled setting right and it seems really tuned for that and it does not seem like it is ready to be used for like normal players because it would just destroy them. <laughs> okay, uh, possibly I would have enjoyed that a bit, then start crying, but... Uh, it gives us okay. something to come back to in six months. Uh, oh, man. Are we talking about the conclusion yet? Oh, Okay. Uh, so I was about to say that I put it to art, and I felt it was as like the ai was as usual as you mentioned like it's kind of okay and sometimes and i i do feel sometimes also it's kind of breaking late so we like you can of you kind of kind of dive can dive bomb a lot of passes which i know it's not really sportmanship racing doing that uh there's some ways to do it well but if you're always able to like 
past the AI by just doing dive bombing passes in the breaking zone is kind of bad. So uh, I was all excited when I saw those levels, thinking that, oh, okay, you can tweak the new AI, the new AI is great, but then it explains why I didn't see that much difference. That's also why all the demos they've done of Gran Turismo, Sophie, are in GT Sport. They've never shown it running in GT7 because it's not in GT7. It's literally just uh... a research project in GT Sport. Okay, and again, there was it was discussed in the past few weeks, part of the teaser for GT7, so I guess that's why I kind of mix both topics. Uh, so that explained a couple of things. Uh, what about you? I, my assumption is you put the AI too hard? No, I put it on whatever the middle one was, normal. Hmm. Oh, okay. Interesting. Good. Uh, anything else before we jump to your first introduction to the game after configuring the settings and configuring your display, which I don't think we did talk about configuring your display. Uh, no. Good. So you configure the game, then you end up in a new mode called Music Rally, and you're like, where the fuck am I am? So I would have assumed, based on the games, that you end up in the world map, which we'll discuss in a bit, and then you start that. But no, one of the big new features of Gran Turismo 7 is Music Rally, which... It's super fun. The gist of Music Rally is it reminds me games like Cruising USA where you have like checkpoints and a race and you need to either complete the race before your timer elapses. Uh, But this one is based on songs. So you need to drive as like the the farthest you can till a song completes around the racetrack and you have checkpoints because the quote-unquote timer that is supposed to be uh, that is driven by the beats per minute of the song that you're driving uh, while that you're using while driving, uh, the farther you go, the better you can get the trophy. So it's again using the trophy system. And here, let's say the the, the songs is five minutes, so you have five minutes to drive fifty-five hundred uh, meters or. 6,000 meters uh, to get a specific trophy. And it is pretty fun. I really... Right now, I think there's six songs, five songs. Six. Uh, six? Okay. So I think I've played four already. Um, and in a strange way, it, this to me is quintessentially fun Gran Turismo. Like, I expect that while it's a bit weird that... And we'll discuss... Not discuss it later, but you play that... And it's kind of used as the 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 demos or the tutorial to tell you how to play Gran Turismo, like how to use the the driving controls. And then you're like thrown into the world map. But if you want to go back to Music Rally, it's you kind of need to exit exit the world map. It's the only other mode outside of the world map, uh, like in previous games where you could do some of the like. Uh, local multiplayer was kind of an outside mode of the one player mode where you had everything but music really is that and that to me is strange uh, i don't I know can why it. oh really okay it's the ready to play mode if you are downloading the game and oh. it's like five minutes later you can play music rally for three songs and it's outside of the main menu because you don't have the world map yet when you download uh the ready-to-play content and it's really fucked up it feels like this game mode is in exile somewhere like it Uh it's not allowed to be part of the main menu i don't know why they didn't put an icon for it that just redirects you there it feels really fucking strange 
uh, it's disconnected from basically everything else in the game, which is super strange considering how heavily they pushed it in the uh, pre-launch event for Gran Turismo 7. I thought this was going to be a much bigger deal than it actually was. Uh, the the other thing that really disappoints me is like Gran Turismo is known for its music. Uh, mm-hmm. Either the licensed soundtracks, uh, GT2, GT4 really like come to top of mind there uh, for the North American soundtracks and like even just BGM for the various games is fantastic. And they have literally six songs in this. Uh, I think one of them is from Gran Turismo 5 Prologue, which is yes. like, that. that's fucked up. It's like, you're making nostalgia to the game that people didn't really play. <laughs> it's like... I know it came from Prologue, but I recall, like, I know this song. And okay. I didn't play Prologue. So I, it might it I must have been introduced in, in Prologue. Then. But it was also in 5 or yeah. 6. Uh, because I love that song. I forgot its name. I tried to find it on Apple Music. It was not present. I was Is like, it oh, Survive? So oh, yes, it is Survive yeah. with uh, I, with the E with the 3 and I with the 1. Yeah. So it's Serve 1. Okay, yeah. But yes, it is that one. And yeah, so it is one of the rare commitments that Polyphony Digital has made currently, saying that, yeah, there are six right now, but future updates will bring more. And... Again, I'm not saying it's a big revelation, a big change of Gran Turismo 7, but I think, like you just mentioned, it is taking key elements where the Gran Turismo series of game is excelling at compared to the competition and making it a fun mode, a fun mode that you want to play again. Like, I, I yes, I have uh, played, I think, three or four, like I said, and I already achieved the, the gold trophy, but I kind of want to play them again. Like, I, I wish I could play them again with different cars. And I know it's like trying to, it's like saying you want to play licenses with different cars. I know there's a component of the, of the challenge that the, the, the mapping of the racetrack, the background music and the car you're driving is all intertwined. But still, they are so fun. They are what, I want to share about Gran Turismo saying, hey, you know what? Like, here's why I like this game because this game, yes, it's a racing game, but it's, it's a bit different. And I think it is, it has some of the essence that I'm super happy that Gran Turismo 7 is around, that it's there. But again, the fact that it's kind of a poster child on the side, yes, possibly, uh, makes sense that technically speaking, because for ready to play, it's a different module and a code base. And I don't want to nerd out on that part. That makes sense. But come on, like make it integrated to world map. To me, that's kind of like mission challenges plus plus. Like yeah, it's a different, I agree. a different spin on that. And I would have been nice for it, it to be in the world map. So I think overall, uh, it's nice in the end uh, that you get introduced by that. Like now that I'm reflecting of, oh, you get introduced by that. It's like, oh yeah, like you need to remember, remind yourself that this exists and then you have six more challenges to go do because they are Utterly fun. I'm pretty sure this doesn't have leaderboards too, right? Ooh, that's a good question. I didn't look. I did not look, so we'll have to it, check It would on be that. cool if they had leaderboards. That's all. I'm it would say. be cool. Yeah, yeah. It would be cool. So once you complete the first one with the Porsche 356A, a uh, pretty nice car, uh, you are thrown into back into two modes. So either you can continue playing Music Rally or you can get the big button, I think, on the top right that says... Bring me to Gran Turismo, which is kind of weird, but 
that's literally the reused uh ready to play ui when the game is done downloading it changes into that oh really okay yeah. again usually it's uh, a progress bar for the download that's there uh i see i see so once you press that button you are getting the typical gran turismo cinematic opening uh which it was funny Eight that you minutes would long baby yeah you would get music rally before the opening and that was also the first kind of like wait what uh but when you press on the button you do get that so that's that's fun you get that again pretty nice uh pretty cinematic i strongly suggest that you at least watch once uh you can see that it on youtube you... it's on the polyphony digital youtube okay i will make sure that you include it in the show notes yeah <laughs> uh because i'm sure i will forget to put it in the show notes so um but yeah um not only that uh i think anybody playing Grand Turismo should at least watch it once uh and nowadays you it might be a bit harder to see it especially if you put your if you leave the game open and put your ps4 ps5 into uh, sleep mode because you don't kill the game so you don't have to skip it the next time you start the game uh there is a setting in the settings menu that allows you to turn off the options menu the other thing is i saw a lot of people who were confused about how to skip the video if you have that setting on because some people said you could not skip it just mash circle a bunch and it'll go yeah. away <laughs> what do you mean by the option menu uh, if you go in the settings menu once you're in uh, GT7, there is an option uh-huh. that is called opening movie, and you can turn it off so that next time you relaunch the game, it doesn't start playing. Oh, okay. Oh, I didn't know that. But again, I'm surprised that people are not used to, on the PlayStation, you smash circle, and then you go where you want to go, unless you're in Japan, which I know will be X in this case. But you mash the it's cancel button. The op- Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If you want to cancel, you press O, and then... Okay. Uh, but yes, that's that's funny that you mentioned that. Okay, uh, now that we are in the world map, uh, a couple of things I want to discuss that is a bit different um, regarding the game. So the first thing I want to mention is collector points, uh, which is more or less making Gran Turismo like a Pokemon game. Uh, the idea behind collector points is you'll see when you start progressing in a campaign, certain functionalities of the game are hidden behind it. Uh, we'll see when we talk about the tuning shop that certain tuning parts are not available up until you get a certain collector level. And also when we talk about the mission challenges, uh, those gets unblocked the more you collect cars. Uh, the idea behind it is each car has a points value for a collectability, or I think it's based on their value, yeah. if I recall correctly. And they give you points, and then again, there's a level system that the bigger you, the bigger your level, the bigger your level, the more points you need to go to the next level. Um, Related to that, when you go to your garage on the world map where you can change car settings, you can change which car you're currently driving, you also see your quote-unquote uh, car decks or Pokédex uh, where you can see all the cars available uh, in a shadow. Uh, and of course, they are shown in colors when you have quote-unquote got them. Whether you bought them, whether you won them, uh, those show up there as your more or less collector list. And I don't know yet because I haven't collected the 400 plus cars that are in this game. Uh, but I, I assume there's a trophy or there's something when you, uh, like you have at least owned all the cars that are available in this game. 
because my understanding of the collector map, let's call it this way, is if you decide to sell a car or get rid of a car... There is no selling cars in this game. Oh, I missed that part. That's an important point about this system. (laughs) Oh, because I was saying, my assumption is if you were to sell it, it would still show up as you owned it at some point Uh, but i guess at this point you just have you're just lucky that this game is virtual and you don't need a 400 and something size garage to store all of those cars and uh, be some kind of like jaleno where you have a a warehouse of cars which uh, sounds fun but uh sounds like a lot of money too uh but i'm digressing again uh okay that put the twist i didn't know about the collector system in this game yeah <laughs> not sure you sound like somebody that likes it i don't I, I won't lie i don't mind the collector aspect to it I, I think you'll see when we go to gd cafe uh the aspect i liked about it is it sh- i'll say it right away it shows the love that the polyphony digital developers have for cars and racing as in this aspect will be more for cars uh, and i don't think it's about cornership here it's more about the car of, of machi- the machine the p- technological prowess that it is and the design prowess that it is that is being celebrated by that and i like it i kind of feel though that like putting some of the parts of the tuning shot behind it was kind of like okay at least progressing throughout the normal camp like it was not at hard to uh, unlock them i think like it took me half an hour and i had all the parts unlocked yeah i think it's like at car level collector level seven or eight i forgot to take note of it but i know it was pretty low and i think after 10 menu books 15 menu books at most like it's fully unlocked so it's not too bad but i i guess it's my slow transition to you still need to do what the game tells you to do to unlock them, and that has uh, a weird sounds to me. Can I, can I add something about the world map before we yes. go into? Okay. Yeah, because I also don't talk about used car events at all, but you can do that first. The world map is the biggest marketing fuck up of this entire game. <laughs> okay. Well, okay. For people who are not familiar with like the narrative going into Gran Turismo Seven. This game is essentially supposed to be a correction for the mistake that was Gran Turismo Sport. Gran Turismo Sport didn't launch with much single-player content, much less a traditional uh, Gran Turismo campaign. And when they revealed the world map, it was like a sign to everyone that like, hallelujah, the Gran Turismo campaign is back. And this is notable because Gran Turismo 4, which is widely considered to be the best Gran Turismo campaign, also had mm-hmm. a world map as its main menu. This game's campaign is very different from traditional Gran Turismo campaigns, and I think it fails a lot of the goals that a traditional Gran Turismo campaign has. So using a world map to house this campaign set a lot of false expectations for what people were expecting going into this game. And they were expecting something that looked like Gran Turismo 4, And this game is not like Gran Turismo 4. Uh, The other thing I sort of want to add that's tangential to that is uh, a lot of people I talked to had the impression watching footage prior to launch that all of this collection stuff was a side mechanic to the game, including Rika Yvier. No, the campaign is the collection. Like, that's it. Right, and... 
I'll stop you there because now you're talking directly about GT Cafe. Well, that was the last and... thing I had to say anyway, so. <laughs> okay, okay, go on. That's good then. Uh, but yeah, the, the fact that you end up, and I think I started to talk about the collector points because the two other points that I want to make sure is how you buy cars in this game. Uh, because the rest of the thing have their own section because you need to unlock them. And to go back to your points about Gran Turismo 4, when you boot up the game, like you end up more or less in the world map and the world map is like more or less telling you good luck yeah have fun figure it out and then when you boot up this game in the world map there are two things gt cafe i think world circuit is enabled at this point the used car dealership is for sure uh world circuits has to be there because it's the thing that's there if you're offline <laughs> oh then it is there and that's it and all a lot of the things i mentioned the tuning shop, GT Auto mission challenges, the brand central where you buy new cars, multiplayer, not present, multiplayer, online, sport, uh, and I'm missing Scapes. one, escapes, uh, and legend cars. Like all of those, <laughs> they show up part of the game. And we'll talk about the progression because now I'm diverging the progression. But to me, that was the first what the fuck moment and you wanted me to have strong opinions and like what i thought about this but i was so happy to see the world map and i was like where are all the things and then i figured out oh parts of the progression they become unlocked part of the campaign and i was like "Uh oh that's i don't want to say bad but that's different it's a red flag for sure i think i agree with you on that so before we talk about the campaign, I, I want to talk about the three different levels of places where you can buy cars because I don't have much to say and that's the only place I wanted to. They fit it in my <laughs> my outline. Uh, but as I mentioned, yes, even if uh, the progression system is different as it will be the theme of this show, the used car market is back. And I think I'm still unsure what I think about that, but the prices are s- strange. Because they reflect uh, the current used car market, which I think is a bit crazy, yeah, but also a bit funny. I think it's a it's a fun game mechanic. At the same time, that the prices are real, more or less, you can do a one to one like credit to USD dollar, and it makes total sense. So like, I think I bought a nine nine seven GT three that Yannick has seen, and I think it was like one hundred and fifty k. Which if you buy a used one, that is good like you'll pay that and a lot of the other cars more rare car i think uh one example i add as limited series or limited stock it says it was uh the lamborghini countach i forgot if it was a diablo or the countach but again both of them are both rare like it was says like limited series and it was like four hundred thousand credits uh which if you look at the current prices in the uh US auction uh events you'll see that the prices you see in game and the prices you see in the real life are 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 similar uh which is something that was not the case before they, they made sense but they they had their own like uh universe let's put it this way so i'm happy to see that used cars are back i don't i did not buy a new car in this game after 20 hours of playing i first when i want to buy a new car or a new car to me let's put it this way i always go back to used car because that was always one of the way to quote unquote win at this game is go look at the used cars when a game a gran turismo car uh gran turismo game at the used car dealership so 
I did do that. Uh, later on, you unlock Brand Central, which is the new naming for the new car dealership where all the brands are. Uh, in the recent Gran Turismo games, including 5 and 6, uh, this became also kind of a historical museum places where you can get to know more the brands and the manufacturers of cars. Uh, and that's still there. Uh, I Usually I didn't take too much time to look into that, and that would be weird to to something I'll say later on but there are interesting content to watch if you're a car lover or if you want to know more about some of your favorite brands one thing that is new uh, in this game and I think it's related to the online component the online always online component and I don't know if it's time in the logic but there are some invitation that you can get in brand central yeah okay uh but do you know, because I know those are time, like if you go in Brand Central and you see, oh, I received an invitation, you have until X date to, uh, to so redeem it. So I think it. everyone has one for a Pagani? Yeah, the Pagani Rara that is worth 1,350,000 credits. And I'm like, thank you for inviting me to spend 1,350,000 credits. You can also win invitations in roulettes, which you haven't gotten to yet. But there yes. is a basically a gotcha mechanic like in mobile games mm. where you can win various things and usually you win a tiny amount of money. Uh, but mm-hmm. I won a Lamborghini invite for what? one of mine. Well, it doesn't matter because I didn't have the money to buy it. Right, like uh, it's an invite. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I overreacted. So, yes. Uh, because yeah, I... You can get those in roulettes. Uh, also, like... Well, I'll save it for when we get to roulettes. There's other weird stuff in those roulettes. Yes, you'll have to remind me about roulettes because we discussed it just before start, uh, starting to record and I forgot to put it in my notes. So we'll have to find a spot in the outline to talk about it. I guess we can talk it when we go back to tuning and GTO to yeah. win Mission Challenge. But uh, last but not least about Brand Central is uh, Agri, the insurance, also the car club company, but in the U.S. it's known as a car insurance company, is uh, one of the sponsors. Uh, and Yannick was telling me that the crazy price market came literally from the Agony prices, uh, that they also uh, have They have a price catalog where they can say, like, the price... The, I think it's called the Agony price market. I forgot the exact name, but the used car market prices are driven by their data sets, which makes me laugh. But last but not least, I mentioned Legend Cars, which is another place where you can buy special cars. Uh, would be like maybe like, a, I think I've seen like a GD40 from... Uh, the 60- Castrol Supra. Uh, yes. Like popular race cars and rally cars, mainly. Yes, and that are like more or less... Or concept cars uh, too. Worth so much money. Uh, so that's where you'll find those car uh but yeah it was funny to me to see uh, agri being there because they are more or less like in the recent years in there especially in the U- u.s car market like trying to build a pres a big presence even if they're like more or less a car insurance company uh they're more or less entering your fun cars uh so that's pretty interesting okay we've talked about some of the boring stuff in world map we'll have some later but we'll have to talk about the main aspect of world map called <laughs> GT Cafe and its relation to World Circuit. So I want to talk about World Circuit for a set because as Yannick entered in the last minutes, this is the, the bulk of the main campaign. So what's different compared to the other ones? But before we do that, I think you have a couple of notes about what you do, what we would expect for a typical Gran Turismo campaign. 
Yeah, uh, I think this is going to serve as a really good reference for anyone who's listening to this for like, what do I expect out of a traditional Gran Turismo campaign? And it really comes down to three things. The vibe, the structure, and the journey. So hmm. the vibe is that like the entire tone of the game has a deep respect and admiration for all of car culture, uh, history, engineering, the ownership and maintenance culture of cars, uh, motorsport, all of that stuff. There's also traditionally been a very sober presentation, very much akin to Japanese car dealerships and manufacturer headquarters that you see in Japan. So I'm thinking specifically here of Toyota Megaweb, uh, the Nissan headquarters in Yokohama, the Nissan Gallery in Ginza. Like games have various elements of those real world locations vibe in them. Like uh, like Gran Turismo 4 and the Nissan HQ are basically like the same vibe uh when you think about it uh also like car museums the toyota car museum in nagoya like when i went to that place in person i was like oh this is what gran turismo feels like when i was visiting all around which was really cool right and i think that's why like i know it is a marketing uh word that they use but they call it a racing simulation game and i think this vibe that you're describing is it's trying to simulate what you could really experience in the real world. So it makes really uh, important cues to real racing elements, real environment, and that is uh, really quintessential Gran Turismo. Yeah, so that that's the vibe. Then you've got the structure. And the structure is has been fairly rigid since the start of Gran Turismo. It's, oh boy, <laughs> multi-race events tiered by difficulty and or license requirements. Oh boy, this license requirements. <laughs> well, okay. Uh, each event has different car requirements, drivetrain, HP, engine type, country of origin, model year, that kind of stuff. Each race awards credits, which is money in this game, and each event rewards a prize car. This sometimes changed depending on the game, but it's mostly true. Uh, since Gran Turismo 3, events are in difficulty or license buckets that can be uh, that within that bucket, those events can be played in any order, but each bucket needs to be completed in order. Uh, traditionally, these games end with the Gran Turismo World Championship, which is about 90 minutes long, and it's the final event of the game that tests your skill with powerful race cars on the trickiest tracks. And since Gran Turismo 4, completing the Gran Turismo World Championship unlocks post-game events that let you explore the full range of cars that are available within the game. So that's the structure. Uh, synergizing with the structure is the journey. And this is maybe one of the most important parts of Gran Turismo. It is a slow journey from road cars that you'll find in any parking lot all the way to historical race cars. You experience the whole range of, uh, well, maybe not car history, but at the very least, like the whole range of what cars are available. And this is where we start to get into the first, like, big differentiations with competitors when you look at gran turismo games the cars on the cover of the game are very often cars you're going to see in the gran turismo world championship at the end of the game in forza the car that's on the cover is the first car you race in at least in the recent forza games uh forza motorsport 7 has a 911 on the cover and that's the first race you do forza horizon oh, wow. 5 has a ford bronco on the cover and you are literally dropped out of an airplane in a ford bronco in that oh, game oh my goodness first thing that's, first. that that is so like it shows 
it shows the Japanese game developers and the US game developers perspective on a race game, a racing game. That's so funny. Well, I don't think it's necessarily a regional thing. I think it's just a philosophical divide in that yeah, yeah. Gran Turismo is very much about a slow type of game and Forza is about instant gratification. And they are the developers are very upfront about this. They're like, people got pissed at us that they were buying the game to race fast cars and they weren't racing a fast car immediately. So we changed the design of the game to allow for that. And I'm like, that's a different kind of consumer. But if Gran Turismo stops doing the Gran Turismo thing, there's nowhere else to go that's offering that. Which is why I'm very like stuck in my ways about the journey being integral to the Gran Turismo experience. And Gran Turismo goal throughout this entire approach is to deepen your appreciation and develop gratitude for the individual cars that help you through the game. To varying degrees, depending on which specific Gran Turismo game you're playing, you're often going to find yourself looking at an event with no eligible cars in your garage, and you're going to need to take a decision about what car you want to buy or acquire to uh, do that race. And due to the abundance of cars in Gran Turismo games, there are so many options for each event that in most games, everybody's playthrough looks different. The act of making a choice about these cars that you make in the game make you feel more personally invested in those vehicles, even if they're a category you don't typically care for. I personally, when I play these games, never want to sell any cars that I have any mileage with because it feels disrespectful to them if I sell them afterwards, which is like, that that's dumb. Even cars that I have no use for anymore, I'm not going to sell them because they were part of the journey. And that's like really important to me. So would you agree that these are basically like the three points that for mo- for at least the best Gran Turismo games, like this is sort of the defining aspects of that? Oh, totally. Uh, and I think that's why I like to, uh, I love to do podcasts with you because you're putting words that I'm struggling to put, uh, concisely sometimes, a lot of times, I know, uh, because what you describe is, wow. Uh, yes, it does describe, uh, uh, a Gran Turismo game. And it's funny that what you mentioned about, uh, people want to drive a fast car right away. <laughs> and I think that's kind of one of the reasons I start to not like the, uh, in a purchases mechanism of Gran Turismo 6 because you could buy credits. And I'm like, why would you buy credits in a Gran Turismo game? The fun of it is to get the credits and buy the car yourself after doing a shit ton of races. By the way, there is a lot of drama regarding Gran Turismo 7 and the microtransactions in this game because I believe prices have gone up at least by four times uh, for credits if you want to buy them, which is like, of course, you don't want to buy them except... This entire game is about collecting cars, which means you're going to need a lot of credits. So <laughs> there's a funny coincidence there. Um, but yeah, I see. Uh, as someone who never considers paying for that stuff, I don't particularly care, but it is a particularly egregious thing. Uh, and that's all I'm going to say on that for now. <laughs> uh, Following that description of what we would expect of a typical Gran Turismo campaign, Let's talk about what's happening. So you get thrown into GT Cafe and you already start to see that, first of all, compared to the other games, there are people talking to you all the time. And <laughs> Super Mario Galaxy 2 all over again. Uh, yes. Uh, yeah. So there are people in bubbles. Uh, and one of the, th- one of the aspects that I think is trying to fix is remember when I was saying like in GT4, you get thrown in world map and it's like tough luck. Go figure out what you have to do. 
uh, and then you start to see you go into the events buildings and you realize, okay, I want to see, I want to do the typical Sunday Cup. Uh, and then I realize, oh crap, I need a car to do races. So then you realize that you have like 20, 25,000 credits and that everything into what I think was still called Brent Central, but everything that is new is more expensive than 25, 20, 25,000 credits. So you buy a used car. This time they're like, oh yeah, you need a car. So let's go shop in the used car market. And I'm like, wait, what? Uh, and what you start to figure out is there's always somebody guiding you through the journey that is the main campaign. I, I do want to butt in and say Gran Turismo 6 had this too. Uh, Gran Turismo 6 early game had basically the same, I think it's even the same woman, uh, Sarah, who get, guides you around uh, the campaign at the very start. The difference is it's much less uh, heavy-handed in GT6 than it is in this game. I think I don't mind Sarah, like explaining you, okay, you go into the used car market and it's like, here's what you do here. Or you go to GT Auto that we'll talk a bit later. Here's what you do here. I think that is fine for somebody that will get in the game. But the other aspect that you learn is, uh, the owner of GT Cafe, because GT Cafe is literally a cafe. Uh, and the goal of it is to experience I don't want to say different cars. There's an aspect of experiencing different cars, but it's having different car experiences throughout the game that is Gran Turismo 7. And I think that is a noble goal on its own. If you say like, the goal of this game is to have different car experiences, whether it's with different cars, different eras of cars, different races, whether it's like circuit races, drift, like dirt racing, rally, endurances okay that's nice but what you quickly realize is lucas the owner of gt cafe give you like strict goals you need to go do the sunday cup but they don't call it this way but you need to go get me those three cars and it's like okay usually i go do the sunday cup i go do an event i have a chance to get the random cars that is usually at the level of the car races I just beat in. So to go back to Yannick's progression system, you start with road cars. Like I think the, the, the three cars you get is subcompact cars, like uh, underfit hybrid, uh, the Mazda 2 that I forgot the Japanese Demio. name of. Thank you. And the uh, Toyota Prius that I also forgot the Japanese the name. Aqua S, I think. Yes, the Aqua S. So, it, first of all, it was quite funny to me that two out of three cars were hybrids. So, you know that they're not so great. Those types of hybrid cars are not so great because they're really like economy comfort cars. Like, uh, But it's like really normal cars that you go racing. And that's great. But what you quickly realize is Lucas is telling you, okay, I want you to go gain those cars. Like, Let's say, I don't know, like a Ford Mustang. I know I, I was doing the, the Mustang menus. So you go do those races and the car you will win, I'm 100%, this is the car you'll win. I'm like, what's the fun? Like, the, it was fun part of Gran Turismo to go do your events, your racing events. And then, oh, I want a Nissan 350Z. Oh, can I use that in the other events that I need to 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 beat before I need to do now and go and do a license so I can go to the other events? Yes, no, maybe I have to maybe tune it a bit or like Enik mentioned, I need to make the decision of buying a new to me or new new car to progress in the game. Here, like 
Sometimes the car you win is literally related to the next book because all of these... Not sometimes. <laughs> so uh, I I'm just going to spoil it right away. You don't need to buy cars in this game. The only cars you have to buy are your starter car and a pickup truck. Literally everything <laughs> else you are given the... like. For the next event, you're going to need either the car from literally the last event that you did, or it's a previous prize car, which means that the mm. path of la of least resistance in this game is literally you have to make two car purchases, and your starter car, you have three choices to choose from, and the pickup truck, you have two available cars to choose from. And, like, th this is where the whole game falls apart for me. Like, the... I don't mind the collection angle, The collection angle is fine. Uh, like I, I would be willing to accept it. And like I think GT Cafe has an idea uh, of like we're going to have little visual novel cutscenes between each mm -hmm. menu to explain to you why these cars are great. And I, I honestly wish they were longer and more detailed because sometimes it's just like basic surface level shit. Yeah, you can literally Wikipedia that shit and it's like, okay. Yeah. You get even more details on the Wikipedia, it's Wikipedia like, page. Give me more. And I, I know you can go to the uh, car collection page, which is basically your Pokedex, and go read the long text paragraph like you can in every other Gran Turismo game. Mm -hmm. But it's like you have the feature there. Now, sometimes there are specialists at the GT Cafe that can add yes. information specific to the car you are currently driving, which is great. And like those bits are way more interesting than the boring shit that Luca tells you after a trace. <laughs> Um, and so, so like, I love that positioning of the system, but player agency is completely removed from this game and the structure fucks you over as well. There are basically three types of menu books. There's collection, which is the one that you described where you collect three cars. There's the championship where you have to just win the championship. And generally, you win the car for the next event. Surprise. Uh, and there are, like, really stupid tutorial ones where it's just like, mm -hmm. go use this feature. Oh, yes. Those <laughs> ones, I'm like, why are there a book? They're so stupid. So one of the issues we have because of the linear unlock thing that you described earlier is you can completely fuck yourself over in this game by buying cars you have nowhere to use. Because you can't sell cars in this game. You've done that, if I recall correctly. Oh, yeah. I, I've gotten lic uh, license prizes that I had nowhere to use. I've, uh, well, I've purchased cars that were going to be prizes in the next event that I didn't know yet. Ooh. That Ouch. means you just skip the race because you already technically completed the goal, um, which is really interesting for speedruns of this game because you can spend money to speed up the game, but it's also like, well... I would have gotten the car anyway. Um, yeah, the first two-thirds of the campaign are for road cars only, which means if you get a race car, sometimes you are lucky if you have two races you can use those cars on for most of the game. Again, I've beaten the game. Uh, group 3, Group 4, and Group B, which is Rally, have very few events in the game. Most of them are optional content. You do not unlock Rally gameplay until menu 37 of 39. I thought I was going crazy because there were Rally licenses in the license tests and there wasn't fucking Rally gameplay until literally like hour 17. There is nowhere to use Group 2 and Group 1 cars. So if you actually get 
the stupid 1 million credits from getting the deluxe edition and you're like haha suckers i'm gonna buy a group one car (laughs) nope there's nowhere to use them and again i've beaten the game the only races where i can use my group two and group one cars there's a pp cap so i need to down tune my car to use them in those races which defeats the point of group two and group one cars. Like literally the only reason to own group two and group one cars is to play multiplayer because there's nowhere else to use them. Uh, I think uh, there's a couple of missions. Sec, uh, since we haven't mentioned it, PP means performance points. Yeah. And it's a metric using the game to just like kind of do a balance of power, kind of say like whatever you do to your car, it worths that amount of performance points. So at least it tries to balance things out and we'll discuss it later too. But uh, oh, I'm sorry about that. Yeah, so basically, like, I have a Group 2 car I really, really, really like. I have to down-tune it below 800 PP in every race that I can use it in, because I can't use its 852 PP anywhere. That's cool. Um, So yeah, you can really fuck yourself over. Um, The other thing I really dislike about, like, there only being two required purchases, in quotes, is very quickly you feel like you can't buy cars in this game. Uh, like very quickly you start to realize like the linear progression of like, okay, they're always going to give me the car for the next event. So maybe I shouldn't buy cars because they're going to give me the thing I need anyway. And then occasionally you are forced to invest your own credits into specific prize cars from past events. So you never really know how much money is really yours to spend and how many is going to be asked to be spent for you by the game later. Oh, this reminds me of the stupid book. You need to tune the the fucking like sixty five <laughs> Mini Cooper, and I'm like, I yeah. don't want to tune this car. <laughs> There's that. There's a put a wing on on, on a car, and I'm like, oh, no. but the wing is fucking ugly. I don't want a wing. They'll force me to do that soon. Oh no. Oh yeah. Yeah. So like that's something that is like okay, maybe I should wait until I beat this game to start spending money, and then it's like okay, so. I'm playing a Gran Turismo game where I can't buy any cars because the game is disincentivizing me from buying cars, which means I'm having the same playthrough as everyone else. And it's like, the driving is fantastic in this game, but it doesn't feel like a Gran Turismo game. And that's my huge issue with this game is, from a technical point of view, I can't really complain about this game. But everything about how this campaign is feels like they were like threatened by Forza and they were like, well, maybe if we make it a car collection game and try to fit it into the Gran Turismo structure, it'll work. And surprise, it doesn't work. I am disappointed and sad at the same time because I do get the essence of what they were trying to do with GT Cafe. Yeah, it's and brilliant. It is, it, it is literally a love letter from car people to the gamers. It's like, you might not enjoy cars or you might just enjoy cars in a virtual fashion that is racing games but let me tell you why you should like cars outside of this game too and they are amazing for that but then i'm stuck in a system that is end holding me and i'm it it is kind of frustrating and i think i was playing last night and i was like i don't want to do what i'm doing in the car in the gt cafe so i'll do the mission challenges i just unlocked because that's funnier. That's like that's that is less constraining right now. Yeah. 
because I think I just completed the Mustang and then the Camaro books, and I'm like, I don't care about the 69 Mustangs. <laughs> yeah, you're like I- in the shitty American car part of the game where it's like, now you have to care about American cars for an hour oh, or two. <laughs> oh, and you can tell me for the, that for the last seven years, I've owned American cars. I know. But I haven't owned those big boats from the 60s and 70s. I I know. It's 10 times worse when they handle like shit. <laughs> and they all do. Yeah. Like, I was tuning a Mustang just to help me. And it's like a 2015 Mustang. And I'm reminded at every in every game that I tune a Mustang because you need to do things with an American car. I'm reminded, is that what happens when you tune a real Mustang? Because <laughs> if you do, why does the fuck people do that? It handles like shit. And it's a 2015 <laughs> Mustang GT. The 2015 so, one is nowhere as bad as the older ones, though. But yes, of course. But it's still bad. <laughs> Yes, I think I, I did that on the Chevy Camaro, and I was like, why are people, would people do that? But again, I don't mean, like, if you love muscle cars, have fun. I just like old European cars, it seems. That's what I'm learning in the past five years. If this were Gran Turismo 4, I feel like I would care more about the American cars that I was using because I would have chosen them. And, like, it, and it's... I, I, that's where I lost you a bit because I recall sometimes that... It was nice that you would do the selection. Okay, I need to go, like, I don't have a Japanese front engine, rear wheel drive to do this event, which is three races. I need to go buy one, so I'll buy the one I want. Whereas right now, it's kind of, oh, you already have one, so just use the one you have. I was like, oh, yeah, okay, I have this one, so I'll use it. Uh But... Sometimes I'm still forced to buy cars I don't like to do the, the events. It's uh, true. I mean, there there's always going to be different things like that. But I think, like, if you are the one to choose the car, if you have a pleasant experience with that car, you remember it and you appreciate it more than you would if it had just been given to you. Like, uh, right. in my recent Gran Turismo 4 playthrough, I bought for GT for the first time in one of these games, Ooh. which, like, I had never do it. Fucking love the thing. It works wait, wait, great. The new one or the old one? Well, I should uh, say well, the 2005? Whatever, for GT was in uh, Gran Turismo 4, I mean, probably like 2004, 2005. Yeah, that would be the, the, the new quote-unquote for GT. Yeah, yeah, nice. it was fucking fantastic. Love that car. And I, I like it's only because I had to do an American car race that I had bought that car, and I never would have discovered that I was a Ford GT person until I did that, which is like, I, and I fucking hate American cars. Like, you know that better than anyone else. Uh, I do. For all the shit I give you. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, I mean, like, the psychology tricks in Gran Turismo work for a reason, right? And uh, these ga- this game just doesn't have that for me. And I think all your criticism is right. But the fact that the goal of GT Cafe is to share the love of cars, I still go back and think I'm giving them a pass for it. And that's, I say it, and that's what I've been realizing, especially in the last 48 hours preparing for this show. I was like, but it's so cool what they've done. It's like the passion and the love and the amazement for the cars, for car events is so like transcendent in this game I'm like that's nice but it's poorly executed yeah so um, usually so when that. i play like 30 percent of a game or whatever i give it a star rating out of five on backlog oh yes and i i have fucking spreadsheets that help me decide what game to play don't judge me <laughs> um i will i'm judging you but 
yeah, so I, I usually try to rate them fairly early on, and then I revisit my rating as I beat the game and stuff like that. I have no idea what to rate this game, because I feel like when I was talking about the, the vibe earlier, like Gran Turismo Cafe is extremely Gran Turismo's vibe. Mm-hmm. It is pushing it into the next dimension. And I think like there are cringe aspects to it. And like, I, I don't know how much you want to talk about uh, the race car drivers on the track, which are all Gran Turismo esports oh, events winners. Yes. Which, yes. Which like, they have some very cringy dialogue. <laughs> yes, uh, they do. I'm sure they're very nice people, but their dialogue is pretty cringy. And I think it was written by a Japanese person and sometimes, but like it really just like pushes all of the points in the vibe section and then like the two other categories are just like we give up uh (laughs) and that's why i have such a hard time rating it um a friend of the show dale nixon had a thread last year where he played through gran turismo 2 and played until he hit max like he basically 100 of the game and he did so reading all of them like paragraphs of text about every car and he gave all his cars nicknames like they were a pokemon game and whatever and the entire select button forum was basically like following this playthrough uh throughout basically all of 2021 and it was an awesome thread and uh he has the same admiration for gran turismo as i do and he basically comes down on the same way as i do which is like this gt cafe thing should have been something good but the rest of the game sucks so bad that it's hard to like it. And I think that's kind of where uh, you differ is like, you like the vibe so much that you're willing to overlook some things. Not all the things. Not all Let me be clear. Because let me describe, and I'm sure what I'm about to describe as my ideal campaign after all the marketing push and (laughs) playing it would have been. So let's take GT4, for example, where you have the world map. You have... We'll also discuss about other things, but you add the world circuit, which I, I small tangent on world circuit. That's usually where you would now in this game. That's where you go do the races, and it's a world. It's three sections: Americas, Europe, and Asia. And when you enter one of those three menus, you do see a map of North America, Europe, and Asia with dots on it, where it shows the real racetracks. Uh, and where the events are compared to a menu where you say, okay, you need to do the Sunday Cup and here's the three race that you go to. This, so, by the way, is literally copying Forza. Forza has been like this for years. Okay, that I don't mind. That I don't mind. Uh, I think it sometimes makes it complex, but then you see, okay, yeah. it's the Sunday Cup, blah, blah, blah. So that I don't mind. I, I, it's a different twist and it could be a more modern touch on that aspect. Uh, the thing I felt is like, I kind of wish we had those events and then there was the collecting thing and yep. the like car loving thing. And I think that's where a lot of people, including ourselves, were thinking this game was and it isn't. And yeah. that's the disappointing fact. Even if I love the, the, the vibe of GT Cafe. Yeah, I think like when we were watching the the pre-launch coverage of this game, when they had the stream where they showed off Music Rally and all of that stuff... I noticed that they were only showing the world circuits thing and they were never showing like an events UI. And that for me was the first red flag that something was off about this game. And I wasn't sure what it was that was off, but I was fairly sure at that moment that this game did not have a traditional Gran Turismo campaign. And then the reviews came out 
and nobody was talking that the campaign was different, which is really fucking strange, honestly. Um, but it became immediately clear from watching the footage and all the video reviews that this game didn't have a traditional Gran Turismo campaign. And then when I played it, I was like, oh, no, things are much worse than I was thinking. Because honestly, like, when I was watching the reviews, I was thinking, oh, this is Animal Crossing for car people. That was the vibe I got from GT Cafe, is this is the museum in Gran Turismo. uh, Sorry, in Animal Crossing with Mm, the coffee shop. You just bring your new cars here, and you're going to have a conversation about them when they put them in the museum. And I'm like, this is literally Animal Crossing for car people. I just didn't expect it to be that fucking linear. Uh, and it's really mm-hmm. weird because the GT Cafe, uh, there's a UI in GT Cafe where you choose your menu book. There's only ever one menu book available at a time. Why? It's like, why are there not like multiple parallel routes I can take or something? Like, I don't understand. And all those questions that you're mentioning feels to me that this is a bit half-assed. That... It felt that the game had this opportunity and they just decided, no, we're not going to do that. But they didn't kind of like re-architect the UI to hide that they might, they were, might be a possibility that it was going to that that direction. Which brings me to a point that you told me when I was bitching about, yeah, I was bitching that the book I am in was, I was not bitching, I was happy and bitching at the same time (laughs) because I was getting used to the linearness of the game. And I was expecting the next book to be like, okay, you did your national B license, and now next time you need to, next book you need to do the national A license before you go to an event that requires it. And I was encountering the first event that says, oh, to do this event, you need to get your national A license. I was like, wait, what? That's, that's old Gran Turismo. Like the game tells me go do this, or I decide to go do this, and I realize I don't have the requirements to, to talk about the, uh, to do this. So, we go do the licenses and the licenses are fun because they're all like, they, they, they are all events to sharpen your skills and to, to say that you're a better driver than, uh, certain levels and all the fun stuff. And I was like, Oh my God. Like, I, I was expecting because of the internet that they would have a book that is national A. And then he told me, yeah, d- don't worry about that. You just need the national A license. I was like, wait, what? Yeah. Yeah. So there are five licenses in this game. And three of them are useless. And I yep. was like, mind-boggling. Just like International B, International A, and Super, which are usually super hard to do and super fun because they're hard to do. You do them for no reason. Yep. Well, you, you get prize vehicles, but I mean like, yeah. Yes, but usually they are part of the progression. And yep. the other thing you mentioned, you mentioned Rally. I'm like, what about endurance races? And you're like, I don't know. There I assume two. they're... Oh, there are in really? missions. Yeah. There's there missions? Yeah. There's what? well, okay, there's two if you're generous. There's a 30 lap I don't remember if it's Tsukuba or Suzuka circuit, but one of those two. Oh, so it's like a 3 minute lap, so it's not that long. Well, 30 minutes, yeah, okay, maybe an hour. Okay. Yeah, and then there's 24 minutes of Lama because they didn't want to put a 24 hour race in there. <laughs> They yeah, got okay. burnt after Nurburgring 24 hours on Gran Turismo 4. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Gran Turismo 4 was crazy on the endurance races because they were That's literally real it. time. I kind of love it too, but I kind of <laughs> feel that it's a bit crazy too because like you can have one 
not 10. The difference is Gran Turismo 4 actually lets you B-spec. And uh, when you're doing B-spec, you can do three times faster. So at least Mm -hmm. when your CPU is taking over, you can speed things up. Yeah, yeah. So there's none of that, which to me, it is quintessential Gran Turismo. especially fucking weird about that is that Gran Turismo Sport has endurance races. (laughs) And that came when people started to bitch about the campaign, if I recall correctly. And that's... Okay, I'm jumping two sections, but I don't care. I think I'll I'll just give you part of my conclusion. That's my main problem with this game, is it reminds me so much of Gran Turismo Sport and the disappointment. I feel we have more content as a 1.0 game, but I was not willing in a willing to do in a numbered installment, having a leap of faith saying Polyphony Digital will make it worthwhile in the next two three years. And guess what? Limipo 138 is literally me saying that about Gran Turismo Sport. It's saying like, okay, the campaign sucked. They spent two years patching it in because people complained. And guess what? In the end, it's not too bad. It's not the perfect Gran Turismo campaign because it was patched in. And all the feelings I got with the GT Cafe, the fact that you need to select one book and there's one book at a time, and then Yannick telling me, yeah, okay, I'm done with all the books. There's nothing to do except sports. Oh, yeah. By the way, people, I I was two-thirds through the game after seven hours. It took me 18 hours to beat this game. Yes, which... I was telling Yannick uh, right before we started recording that my brother wanted an update on me and Gran Turismo because uh, last weekend when Yannick started to play, I was not able to play, so I played a bit late in the weekend. And I was to start to feed this Yannick eightness or the Yannick uh, strong opinions about the game to my brother. And my brother was like, what the fuck is this game? That's not Gran Turismo. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. So I kind of not downplayed it because I think overall, uh, I'll, I'll keep my overall opinion. But to me, that's the part is, the part that is worth mentioning is I feel we still need to have a leap of faith at future updates for GT Cafe. The future update that they haven't mentioned anything about that. They've mentioned uh, new music rallies. There, there's an article. If you back all the way to the main menu on the game, there's I've a new section. It. Yeah. Yes. But there's nothing about GT Cafe in it, if you read no, it correctly. I'm pretty sure GT Cafe is done. Which, that's the problem. Like, what's the goal of the new licenses? What are the additional content that will make, like, that will make some of the campaign more valuable? None. I don't know. We'll see. Right. And, and that's, that, that's exactly that leap of faith that I'm worried about. Yeah. Do, do you mind if I offer some comparison points with other Gran Turismo games? Yes, and I think we can uh, end on that before going into the next section. I also have like a grab bag of stuff after that too. Uh, that'll take a little bit about of time. cafe or yeah. about okay. Yeah, yeah, we can do that part, and then we can talk about uh, bringing back the tuning shop GT Auto yeah. and the mission challenges. I have some notes on how uh, GT Seven compares with other GT games, so I want to start off with a comparison with Gran Turismo Two, which is Gran Turismo Two does linearity better than this game. And this is going to feel strange because Gran Turismo 2 is like one of the flagship Gran Turismo games and most people have unique playthroughs of that. So what do I mean? If you complete your license tests early in Gran Turismo 2, you can complete most of the go race menu, which is all of the basically every event except the one make races. Uh, You can complete most of that menu in Gran Turismo 2 entirely off the back of prize cars like you can in Gran Turismo 7. Um, Hmm. And the way they do this is Gran Turismo 2's optional events 
reward one car per race instead of one car per event like the required events do. Oh, this is the opposite of GT7, actually, because GT7 required events, you get one car per race and optional events don't give you shit. Uh, so <laughs> they cool. give you money. And if yeah, you do give all you money gold, and that's about it. Oh, if you could do all gold or bronze, they give you a car, too. Like mission challenges, for example. Yeah, but I mean, like for for races in world circuits. Oh, oh, yeah. OK, yeah. Got yeah. Um, and it turns oh, that's out true. I can't, sorry, sorry. Interesting. Like, I kind of forgot that there are unrelated races when i go into world menu that i haven't uh, a yep. world circuit yep they're like weird places you can use your group three and group four cars uh, hmm. <laughs> so a lot of the prize cars in gran turismo 2 are optimal picks for completing other races in the game and you can usually tell this because they're one off from the power cap of that race uh i played through gran turismo 2 in japanese so all of my uh power listings are in ps i don't even know what that unit is but like a lot of the times if the cap is like 700 ps you're going to have cars as prizes that are 699 ps and it's like that's probably the car they want you to use for this event um and what's cool about this uh linear approach is that once you know about it it provides a fast lane for people who want to replay the game through a second playthrough but if you're a first-time player, you're still likely to make a lot of choices about the cars you're going to buy, and you're unlikely to stumble into a fully linear experience like GT7. So I think like it's cool if your game has a linear path that lets you get from point A to point Z uh, just by using prize cars. It's just it can't be the default, most obvious thing you can do in the game. Gran Turismo 7 also inherited two points I hated about Gran Turismo 3, which I, again, I hate Gran Turismo 3 with a passion. It is the worst (laughs) Gran Turismo campaign of all of them, even GT1. Sorry, people who like GT3. Um, And I said a bunch of this on the Game of the Year episode last year, but I'm going to rehash it very quickly. Uh, Prizes in the early game of Gran Turismo 3 feel worthless because they tend to just be other starter cars or cars that would have been useful in the event you just finished doing. Gran Turismo 7, like, this is the entire game. It extends that feeling of worthlessness to the entire game. The first collection you complete, you win the other starter cars, and the other collections literally consist of competitors' cars from the event you just completed. There's, like, no joy in collecting these vehicles, uh, for me anyway. Um, Another issue that Gran Turismo 3 has is that you see a lot of repetition It's always the same events repeated multiple times throughout the campaign at different difficulty tiers. And when you couple that with the early game grind, because all of the prize vehicles are shit, uh, it makes the game feel incredibly repetitive. Gran Turismo 7 also has a lot of repetition in the themes you see play out throughout the campaign. The first quarter of the game is just Sunday Cup races all over the world. Like, what the fuck is that? Sunday Cup is is supposed to be the first thing you do in the game, and then you don't really think about it again. Everybody loves Sunday Cup because it's a tradition, but nobody wants to spend half their life in a Sunday Cup, right? (laughs) First quarter of the game. I guess it's closely related to, in theory, I was not doing racing with my car, but it's the close equivalent to Sunday Cup when I was doing lapping on on Montreal racetracks. Yeah. So... And there are like drivetrain challenges that are repeated in all regions of the game because they want to region lock the uh, the cars that can enter to each region and it lines up with the collections. It's just like these events are not fun. And almost half the game consists of just like the same theme repeated three times in a row in each region. 
Gran Turismo 7 feels like it ends before they actually get to the good, interesting events. They're just not there because the game is already over. So Hmm. that sucks. Uh, It's very hard to get excited about the events in this game because it just feels like... Like, there isn't even an MR challenge in this game. Like, not even all the drivetrains are covered. It's just, it's really fucking weird. Oh, that's that's true. Uh, I don't think they've mentioned. I have to look at the MR cars. Is there any Elises in this game? Lotus Elises? Uh, I don't think I went to the Lotus dealership, so I don't know. Mm. Ferraris, I think some of them are MRs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> From my hard time in the Ferrari Cup. Uh <laughs> Last point of reference I want to give is Gran Turismo PSP. People forget that this game exists because I'm the only one who played it. Um, It is technically the only other Gran Turismo title that primarily revolves around collecting vehicles. This game did not have a campaign. Uh, You could earn credits by completing driving missions, not unlike the ones in GT4 or even GT7. You could play arcade races and get credits paid out that way that corresponded to a combination of mileage and your grid placement. And you could use those credits to buy cars at the dealership, uh, which had a 365 in-game day rotation. So if you missed the one day that the Escudo was for sale, uh, you had to play 364 races. It was a great game. (laughs) Ouch. (laughs) To be fair, Gran Turismo 7 feels like they just took the ideas of that game and tried making a AAA home console game with it instead. I'm not sure it succeeded at what it was trying to do. But yeah. This is just my my short grab bag of like related points. Uh, you already touched on it. GT Cafe, it feels like a parallel progression mechanic, not a main progression mechanic. Uh, if this was parallel to a traditional GT camping, I would have like no complaints about it. Oh, I, and I think that's the main issue with it. Yep. It, it feels like an incomplete game. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> All the races in this game are rolling starts in single file. This is kind of a pain in the ass when you're doing 20-person races at the end of the game. A lot of the challenge in the tail end of the game has nothing to do with how strong your enemy's cars are, and it has everything to do with trying to catch up with the car that's in first place because they are so far ahead in the Nürburgring 24 hours or whatever. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Ouch. Ouch, ouch, ouch. Uh, Ferrari Cup really killed me here uh it was not fun i had the weakest ferrari of the prize ferraris i tuned it to max spec and it was really fucking hard to catch up to those cars uh and i i think there's a difficulty spike definitely at ferrari cup um last point i want to bring up about gt cafe is that uh this is well yeah okay this is kind of shared between gt cafe and the human uh drivers on the track is that the dialogue doesn't always make sense with previous things that have happened in the game or the features that made their way into the game. So, for example, uh, Luca in the French Hot Hatches menu, which is menu 11, says, Are you familiar with Hot Hatches? Menu 7 was European Hot Hatches, and it opens with an introduction about Hot Hatches. (laughs) Yes, I'm familiar with Hot Hatches. What do you think, Luca? Oh, I forgot about this. Uh, but he didn't ask you yes or no. And I think Sarah and other places, when I think you talk with the the cafe regulars, they ask you. I think I think she was asking you, "Are you familiar with hybrids?" After getting the first car, and you can answer yes or no. But at least it was the first time you they were talking about hybrid cars. Yeah. 
Um, so I, I understand it's tricky. Sometimes you reorder things in your progression and you're like, oh, fuck, we forgot to remove reference. That doesn't make sense in this. Uh, there were some parts of the racers on the track. Like I, I took a screenshot of this one where at one point they're saying like, you should choose your tires in function of the weather for the race. Check the weather forecast before going on the track. And I was like, what weather forecast? There is no weather forecast in this game. And then everyone on Twitter said, check the weather radar on your little screen. And I'm like, yeah, but that's not going to help me choose my tires if I'm already in the race. So is there a weather forecast that was removed or were we just talking about car racing in general? I'm not sure. I th- and I wouldn't be surprised not to be in defense of that. I wouldn't be surprised if it was the latter because sometimes what they say is kind of related to racing overall. Because isn't it that if you won as an esports player, you would end up racing in real life, part of the GT team in some racing fashion? Uh, it depends on the event, but yes, I think that's true. I think GT mm. Academy was like that. Right, right. Because I, I if I recall correctly something that is maybe more familiar to Canadians or at least Northeastern Canadian is the uh, the Nissan Micra Cup or now the Nissan Sentra Cup. Uh, I think there was GT Academy players running in this uh, race cup here that is literally driving Nissans around uh, Northern Eastern Canadian racetracks. And I think there, there was another thing. Uh, I think this is specific to if you take the Demio uh, as your starter car. Uh, Daniel Solis, which is the uh, national B instructor and a GT esports player, mm-hmm. uh, has a line where they say, like, basically, it's implied that you didn't buy the car from the used dealership, that it was a loan from Daniel Solis. Right. I mentioned that. I was like, I didn't buy his car. Why do you say that? Okay. So maybe it's not just for Demio players, but it's really fucking weird. And it, it's like, there are some rough edges with this dialogue at places. Um, there are people who are harassing the esports players on Twitter for having shitty dialogue, and I'm like, oh, no, come on. Like, that's. Don't be a dick. But, like, the dialogue is rough, but I don't think it's their fault. I think it comes down to the editing and the. Didn't you tweet an image about some somebody saying a French baguette? And I was like, oh, no, no, it's yeah. stereotypical. Yeah, I, oh. I don't know how much of that literally comes from the player or not. But there's one player from France who, like, in every time you see them in a race, it's just like, ah, France, the land of baguettes. I love baguettes. They're the greatest. And it's just like, and even in the final cutscene when you beat the game, there's another line about baguettes there. It's like, ah, oh, I hope you'll consider coming to France and eating baguettes with me. And I'm like, oh, no. Yeah. <gasps> oh, yeah. So, yeah, I, I would skip a bit on that part. I think it's... I've read all of the dialogue for all the races, and I can tell you it... It's not worth reading, unfortunately. Oh, no. I, at least to, up to the point I am at, and I'm sure part of conclusion will say, well, I'll be continuing playing this game. I'll read it just because it's so cringy. But yeah, not required to read. Okay, okay I think we got I, through the, the progression yeah. part of the show. <laughs> uh, the, ne- the next up is I want to go back to World Map and talk about, I think, the thesis. I, 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 I'm happy to see those elements back in this game, but I think the main point I have to say about them is they were just marketing tees. Like, the tuning shop is fine. Uh, I think it's a bit weird, as I mentioned, that yes, you, you'll end up unlocking all the parts, the parts section, excuse me, uh, quite easily part playing the campaign, but it's 
usefulness? I don't know. Uh, I've used it a lot to tune cars. Uh, I've also used one when we talk about on, uh, the online modes because uh, I was like, how the hell am I supposed to be uh, competent while driving my uh, Toyota Aqua S uh, online? And everybody beating me is like, oh yeah, because you can tune your car and go online with your tune mods. I was like, oh, okay. And then I looked at and then guess what? I was better. I was like, ah, so tuning has a usefulness now. So that's good. I do want to complain about the tuning UI a little bit. I think it is the least well-organized of all the tuning UIs in all of Gran Turismo because it's not really clear when you switch between the menus what's an upgrade to what. And it's not clear, like, unless you know about parts and cars and stuff like that, it's never really clear what you're upgrading by using a part or what you're not upgrading and what is what is a replacement for something else, basically. Right. Uh, whereas in Gran Turismo 4, they were literally like the upgrades were one next to each other and then you move to the next product and they were all next to each other. So I think like organization like that is more friendly to non-car heads, um, whereas GT7 is kind of confusing. And I think I learned that in GT6, but that also applies to GT7 is if you have the money to, let's say, buy the race exhaust, don't buy the sport, then the race, like just buy the race one and you spend you'll still get the same jump in performance. Yeah. So uh, so I think that was different in older games, though, that you had to do, like, level on one. Ah, that's the like, part I always Like, uh, turbo kits, you have to buy stage one, stage two, stage three in order. Right. Uh, but if you're looking at exhaust, you can just jump straight to the racing uh, thing. I think weight reduction is the same thing. You have to yeah, buy stage reduction. one, stage two, stage three. Yeah, but I recall even previously, maybe not the exhaust, but there were more parts than right now because I think right now you yeah, yeah there are a lot like, more parts where you can do that. Even now, because I think right now it's literally like the weight reduction packages and a turbocharger, and that's it. Oh, I meant the opposite. Like there are more parts where you can just buy the last option. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, yeah, okay. We're saying the same thing. That's good. Yeah. Uh, so. I'm glad that it's back. I think it's done in a okay, not okay, in a good fashion. I agree with Yannick that the categories are a bit strange. You more or less end up going to the last tab. And then if you're not able to part the path, the, the parts you need, you just backtrack. And it's that's... also like I can't get over how short a time it took me to unlock everything. It felt like, well, why did you even lock it in the first place? Yeah, because I think after completing, like when it's, because I think you win the tuning shop in by completing a menu book, and I think you complete the next two menu books, and you uh, accumulate enough collector points, pretty much, for it to be uh, to be done. Uh, unlike the mission challenges, uh, which you get it as a prize of completing a menu book, but I think you get it around same levels like seven or eight, nine, something like that. Yeah, ten, I think, and then. No, you get it before because there's a second unlock at 10. And then I think it's oh, right. like 10, 12, and then as a bigger progression of unlocks for the, because I think it's 10, 12, 14, 16, and 18, something like that, uh, to unlock all of the big categories of mission challenges. Uh, but mission challenges, uh, there are kind of different licenses tests. To, that's how I kind of see it is they are mission. There's more than that. Yeah, because you do have races, but they all have a special twist to them. Um, whereas, like, licenses, they are, like, mission to perfect your driving techniques. 
Whereas this one is, yes, to perfect a perfect technique, but also to showcase your driving techniques in a different fashion than just having a race. So they're pretty fun. And I think right now this is one of the paces I have, I'm enjoying a lot. And I feel that it's a sidetrack. It's one of the rare sidetracks uh, you can have in this game so there are like, some really wild licenses uh not licenses missions in this game that i don't want to spoil okay but i think missions right, can... have the most interesting content in the entire game okay uh i don't mind you can spoil it let's put it this one unless you you don't want to spoil it for our listeners no, I, either. I, I i don't want to spoil it it's gonna be funny when you find it <laughs> okay uh i've unlocked the second category and i forgot it was it was in pre- it was in a previous game because GT6 also had the fueling mapping, and this one is infuriatingly fun. Yeah. You have, I think, 10% fuel remaining, and you're, which is usually not enough with the car you, they give you to do one lap. So you have to fuel, to change the fuel mapping from, uh, what's the inverse of lean? Why am I blanking on the name? I don't know. Rich. That is the mission that- I was talking about, though. Oh, okay. That, that's <laughs> the good. trail mountain so- one. I forgot. I forgot if it was a, the first one was one with an old Nissan. I, that's a, that's the one I was playing it last night. So, to continue what I was saying is you the mapping is for going from rich or lean in fuel, and you need to play from level one to six to make sure you have enough fuel. But of course, it's a time trial. So, yeah, did you say it was trial mountain, trial mountain, or time trial? Because sometimes I trial I get mountain. Told, I'm not sure if it was that race that I did, but I wouldn't be surprised if there's one that is trial mountain. But it's, it is a time trial event, meaning that you get trophies the fastest you go or the faster around the track you are on your one lap. And I was stuck at the silver trophy. And my God, I think the uh, gold trophy was at two minutes, five seconds. And I'm stuck at two minutes, 10 seconds. And I'm like, where can I find ten five seconds? Yeah, that that's not the mission I'm thinking of. The fuel mission I'm thinking of is on Trial Mountain. And basically, if you just hold the accelerator at the default setting, you don't even make it like halfway through the lap. Yeah, and that will be, I think for that one, that would be some, I'm playing with the fuel level, uh, the fuel uh, mixture. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, but the and the criteria for the gold, silver, uh, bronze is distance instead of oh. time, which is really funny because it's really fucking hard. <laughs> oh, it's okay. You need to make that much distance versus how long do you do on the, on the, uh, like, like, how fast do you go around one lap? Huh? Yeah. So you have to do like a 10 minute lap around the thing going very slow because you want to maximize your distance and not necessarily how fast you get to the end. Right. And that, and that's why I feel that this one is quite interesting because you need to do a fast lap while making sure you have enough fuel to do that fast lap and enough performance of your engine because for sure the, the leaner you run, the less the less performance you get and i think that's why i love to do that in manual because you just upshift one gear so it, it, let's say in a corner you need to be at in fourth gear you know you just take it at fifth gear and that's it and even that doesn't work but i like this so i love mission challenges last uh unless you have anything else to say about mission challenges last part in my grab bag of the world map is gt auto which is a big comeback and i think a lot of a lot of what people used to enjoy about Gran Turismo, especially its customization, because GT Auto has three things. Car maintenance, you can do oil change, which pretty useless, uh, unless you buy a used car, but even then... No, no, no. New cars have oil deterioration over time. 
Oh, new car didn't used to have the oil deterioration before? Now it's visible. If you go in the garage, your car yes, has I've... indicators for like all the stuff that can be maintained at GT Auto. And like a car that I bought very close to the end of the game has already asked me to go in for an oil change. So, Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Okay. Because when they introduced the oil change elements in GT Auto, I think in 6. Oil change has been in since GT2, I think. Maybe GT1. Then I might be mixing up with the chassis. <laughs> Uh, rigidity but again even in gt2 and gt3 and gt4 when you do oil change doing an oil change was ever always useless and i'm not saying it's useless in a car i'm just saying in the game it is useless because i you never felt the benefit i recall in gt4 that was that and i think in gt6 it was the same thing for the chassis rigidity too gt4 gt4 oil changes like you had like a 10 hp penalty if the oil was bad (laughs) okay uh okay okay that's what i meant by useless then. <laughs> yeah, yeah okay so it's like the, there is an effect it's just it's fairly minor okay so again it's pretty cheap to do i think it's like 250 credits or 50 yeah, something credits? like that I, oh, no, it's I think very cleaning, small yeah i think cleaning is you can wash a car that's also funny uh <laughs> so again a lot of the fun customization is back so you can do car maintenance uh, you can literally revive your engine. I guess if you have a hundred thousand miles on your car uh, or kilometers, I should say, you can redo the uh, redo the structure. Also, in tuning, one thing that is new, you can also buy a new engine. Yeah. That was interesting, uh, and you get back the car and driver appearance modification. So, putting wings, putting different uh, different wheels on your car, also putting liveries. Uh, that came from Sport, if I recall correctly. The livery editor was pretty interesting in Sport. Yep. Although it seems that not everybody's liveries from GT Sport have carried over, even though they said that they would. So that Ooh. is concerning. One of my Ooh. friends lost all their liveries. Ooh, that would suck. Yeah. I don't really care because I didn't spend the time to do that. But for people that did, I think that's that. And that's why this is a grab bag because I felt when we seen this element to go back to the world map, those were like, oh yeah, the tuning shop is back. Oh yeah, GT Auto is back. Gran Turismo is back. And we can all forget the mistake that was GT Sport. And it's like, yeah, not, not really. really. So, so that's that. I do have a few items that I want to uh, showcase while we're here. Okay. Uh, first of all, Scapes is still wonderful. Uh, there are a lot of, like, if you go check Quebec locations, they are literally all in Quebec City. There are Quebec locations? Yeah. Ooh, I have to look that uh, There is a bunch of Chateau Frontenac locations mm. and stuff like that, which is really cool, and a bunch of downtown Quebec. So, uh, big fan of that. Uh, if you go to the garage, there's a new option called Scapes Movies. Have you tried this? I did not. Okay, Scapes Movies is kind of like the idle camera in Final Fantasy XIV, which is to say it's a screensaver mode. Uh, Whichever car you are currently in, uh, it will just drive around various Scapes locations in full screen. Uh, It looks fantastic, of course, with ray tracing because PlayStation 5 and all that shit. Um, Can I borrow PS5? Uh, No. Um, But if you're ever... um, bored or idling or just need to do something while Gran Turismo is in the background, I do recommend turning it on. It's kind of amazing. Uh, it actually makes you question what elements of scapes are rendered and what are based on real photos sometimes. And it's really fun to play that game, although you can't really verify 
the answers to any of that stuff. Uh, it's a very interesting mode uh, because sometimes you'll have like a, an outdoor restaurant scene and like there are people sitting there and obviously they're sitting still because they're based on a photo. Um, but sometimes things have reflections and you're like, oh, that's interesting. That must mean it's modeled. Uh, and playing around with that is really fun. Uh, license tests, unlike Gran Turismo 4, do not have a next button to skip to the next test. Uh, I mm -hmm. realize that on PlayStation 5, where you have literally no load times all the time, uh, it's not a huge deal, but it feels like a downgrade. Once again, Gran Turismo 2 had fantastic, uh, license test navigation to move between licenses. Gran Turismo 4 had the next button. It's weird. These features do not carry over from one game to the other, uh, when they're obvious quality of life stuff, but there you go. Uh, and I guess we mentioned that the licenses are useless in this game. Uh, so that, that I'm kinda... so sad. Oh, don't <laughs> remind me this. Oh, it's so sad. I love licenses. Oh. You're going to love Super 7 or you're going to hate it. I'm not sure. But Super 7 is the hardest mission, uh, hardest license in the game. It's also really fucking fun. Okay. I'll keep you posted. They also reset the leaderboard on it today. So I have to do it again if I want my time. <laughs> so that's it for me for uh the grab bag stuff good let's go to online modes um so as with sport the sport mode is back uh i guess most of the event that used to happen on sport are not here uh, live yet because i've seen there was two events that get repeated every 30 minutes and they were pretty boring uh but the gist of it is if you haven't played sport most of the events have a practice period, a qualification period where you can chime it, uh, try to clock in your fastest time. And if you're at the fastest time when the race starts, you'll start at the pole position. And of course, your fastest lap determines your position with the people that are part of the race. And throughout the day, they are, I think every 30 minutes events. Uh, there is a section in the game that calls that there's going to be championship. And again, that was the, the main element of sport is there were seasons of championship where you can accumulate points by doing events and blah, blah, blah. And it seems that this is coming back part of the game. But again, after one week after the release, all of that is not present, reminding me that the same exact thing happened with sport where they was like, oh, yeah, championships and future events are coming and that's what happened i think uh maybe a month after the release they started to do those that when they realized that the server were holding up with the traffic uh do you know if there's any updates or like any like date set with when some of those online events that we got accustomed with with the sport game will start i don't know if they're gonna do like a sport and have like a season zero where it's like help us beta test the shit uh thing uh i would be shocked if they didn't have that but i don't know maybe since it's reusing a lot of tech from sport they're not doing that i thought i saw something that said it's within the next month but i'm not okay sure okay so again i i think i don't have that much to say on, on that online mode because it's literally gt sport as a game so it's it has one major change which is balance of performance is not active anymore oh that and the ratings, the driver rating and the sportsmanship rating are a bit different. Whereas what I've seen in my game is was e I shouldn't say easy, but like your driver rating is now in relation with the sportsmanship 
rating, whereas before they were two different things uh, and they were not in they were kind of not impacting each other in your progression. Whereas now, if you want to go to from D to C, for example, as a driver rating, you need to have a good sportsmanship rating to move forward. They've also changed how matchmaking works. Uh, now there are three ranked pools, so you are more likely to be matched up with people of your same skill level than you were in GT Sport. Mm. So I guess it's a GT Sport plus plus uh, now yep. part of GT Seven. Um, I think it was also part of GT Sport, but I'm unsure because it's been a while since I booted it. But the typical lobbies where somebody creates a game or a typical type of race, and you just join. That's also Yannick and how Yannick and I played online together. Um, I don't have that much to say because you just create a lobby, you select the criteria you want to do, and then you just have fun with friends. Um, you can make it public, you can make it friends only, uh, and that's allowing you to play GTC, GT7 online with friends. Yeah, uh, 85% of it is identical to the mode in Gran Turismo Sport because that's mostly how I play Gran Turismo Sport. Oh, play with friends? Well, I just made lobbies that randos would join, but okay, uh, yeah. I see. Uh, there are a lot more settings for the custom lobbies than in GT Sport uh, because now there's, well, I'm sure we'll get to this in the next section, but there's a whole weather system. There's time of day. Yes. Uh, you can customize all of that. I believe you can change the rates of tire wear and of gas usage yes. and all of that stuff. I've done that in the, in the game I hosted when we played together. I noticed. <laughs> but that's why I sucked because I ate the wall too much. I think uh, that's why I had to get an oil change afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> oh really oops maybe um and related to you uh to your experience in gt sport of having just lobbies with random bodies uh one thing that is new that is part of not the online mode but it is an online feature is called meeting place all right and if you go to the world circuit back on the world map and you select one of the racetrack you want to go drive at you can and it seems to me that it's not all the racetrack right now because no. I don't, I don't, I haven't seen the small kind of like people icon to the racetrack name. And then you see on the bottom left, it says meeting place. And when you open it, there is different lobbies again per, and they name per region. I don't know if you're, they're geo block or anything. I don't think they are, but they just want to have like people from North America. There is like, I think two global ones, a couple for North America, a couple for Europe, a couple for Asia. Uh, and the idea is you bring your car. There, it's not a race. You just drive around the racetrack and meet people and show up your cars and show up your cars with liveries and all that fun stuff. So it's really like they, they say in the, the explanation, it's like, let's meet at this racetrack. Like, like people say that to their friends, which they kind of do to go see events usually, not just to hang out. Uh, but that's the goal of meeting place. I haven't tried it. Uh, I kind of wanted to do, but I did not uh, at the time to do it before recording. But it seems pretty neat. Maybe not a feature I would really enjoy because I would expect a lot of people do stupid shit, uh, even if it's not a race. Uh, so, yeah, have you tried it? I have not. And I think the reason for that is that Tokyo Expressway is not in the meeting place locations and therefore I have oh. zero interest. <laughs> yeah, I would see you be always in Tokyo Expressway. I mean, that's basically what I'm doing with lobbies all the time. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, maybe luckily, like, hopefully for you, maybe those are on rotation. So in the next update or in the next server change. I, I'm thinking that probably the the criteria for license uh, for meeting places is that 
there's only one track layout, right? Oh, it could be. Yeah, it could be. Because Tokyo, Tokyo Expressway. Expressway has like six. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You love complex tracks. And it's not really a track because it's an expressway, but I digress. That's why it's great. <laughs> I guess. Uh, City not, tracks like, are always my favorite in Gran Turismo. Like, even like New York or Hong Kong on GT4, I love those. No, yeah, okay. You're, no, uh, it's not that I don't like urban tracks, but I don't know. I think there's something about a track uh, and not just using the roads. But, oh, well, that's that's that. Uh, anything else about the online modes? Again, I've played a bit of lobby with Yannick. I played a bit of sport. I felt that the event were boring, so that's why I didn't play that much more of sport. Yeah, it's weird. They're all really low HP right now, which is like, yeah. what if you buy a Group 1 car and you want to race it somewhere, and now you have even less places to use it? I guess you can go in meeting place, but it's not a race. It's just go, you go show yeah. off your Group 1 car. Pretty uh, much. Um, I, I did remember one thing I wanted to uh, bring up that was kind of snarky in the GT Cafe section, but I just forgot to write it in my notes. And that is that this game has a Gran Turismo Cafe in it, but it does not have the track that has a, the real life Gran Turismo Cafe in it. And that fucking baffles me. Uh, Twin Ring Motegi is not in this game. Twin Ring Motegi has the Gran Turismo Cafe in real life. Huh. Which is really weird that it's not in this game. Hmm. Also, it reminds me that we forgot to go back because uh, I want to go to technical and performance and all that fun stuff before we conclude. Yeah. Uh, but we didn't talk about the roulette, which I wanted right. you to remind me and I'm reminding myself now. So it's kind of the gacha game mechanism yeah. of this game, which I don't know what it's for. Seriously. I really don't it's understand It's there because it. it's in Forza. I mean, oh. that's my cynical interpretation. Um, so, yeah, th- th- this roulette thing, basically what it is, is uh, whenever you complete your daily workout, which is uh, 45.2 oh, yeah. kilometers or something, basically yes. like the length of a marathon, uh, if you drive that many kilometers in the game, you are given a roulette ticket. And your roulette ticket basically has like between four and six things on it and i'm pretty sure they all have different odds because you always get the shittiest prize and it pisses me off every goddamn time i've seen tickets with one star and tickets with two stars is that tickets with three stars it goes up to six okay they gave me a six star one for beating the game so i don't know if there's higher than that but i got six um and like on six i got a full like i think it's a group one race car from that oh not bad i, I was about to say with a six-star ticket you got three three thousand <laughs> credits, credits yeah. <laughs> no i was worse than that two thousand credits <laughs> um yeah i think the most amount of credits i got from a single ticket was a hundred thousand hmm. which is not a lot um and i got i got invitations i got parts if you get car parts they are locked to a specific car and if you don't have it they expire, i've had that i think Oh really? Oh, crap. I think it's like the invites, yeah. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I have, uh, I think, a, a camshaft for uh, AMG A43 car, and I'm like, okay, I don't have that car. But basically, like the the reason I say this is from Forza. Forza Horizon has something very similar to this, which is I think whenever you level up your driver level in Forza Horizon, you get a roulette like this, and you can win cars and stuff like that. Mm. Um, and that does actually kind of tie into something i want to say which is 
Forza is a game that is a lot more about car collection than Gran Turismo traditionally has been, especially Forza Horizon. But the way Forza Horizon gets away with it is that it's an open world game with a ton of stuff to do. And the entire game is configured that you can basically do any event with any car, which is a lot more freedom than the linear bullshit we got with Gran Turismo 7. And I think if you're going to do the car collection thing and going to do that but you're not going to give the players the freedom to use those cars in whatever ways and you don't just give them the tools to fuck themselves over by buying cars they can never use uh that's how you make a game about car collection that actually works uh and one of the points that was brought up in the gran turismo thread on uh select button was that uh my friend uh, km was saying it's really not clear who this game was designed for because Forza fans aren't going to like it because you have none of the freedom that makes the game fun in Forza and Gran Turismo fans aren't going to like it because the game is too rigid and it lacks a lot of aspects that Gran Turismo traditionally has delivered for so it's kind of nobody's going to be happy about this game uh it just kind of disappoints everyone and i think that's kind of the weak point of the thing is there are a lot of points in this game where it feels influenced by forza but it doesn't actually understand how forza gets that approach to work uh with the systems and it's in its game it just tries to jam forza ideas into the gran turismo framework and the game falls apart because of it sorry for the sudden tangent but i no felt uh... like i needed to jam that in there I think that it does also explain. No, I would say it does explain. But I, for example, to go back on the roulette, uh, I don't understand why they expire. The tickets? Yes, and I also didn't even you... notice they expired because I I'm just like out of reflex. I just go do them all immediately. <laughs> Me too. I think you right now you have a month to use them or a couple of weeks, but. I'm guessing it might be like mobile game stuff. Like mo- mobile games give a lot of like gotcha rolls or whatever for free, and usually they try to time gate them otherwise you can hoard them until there's an event going on for the character you want and then you have like mm. 5000 rolls that you stocked up for the entire year that now you can all use to try to get your favorite character i don't know if gran turismo 7 is going to have like roulette events where it's like today we're only giving lamborghinis and roulettes and like now is the time to use them and yeah I hope that not. might be some sort of uh prevention measure for that kind of stuff it depends how uh, mobile gamey they want to get with it. Uh, today, Chocobo GP came out, which looked like a really cute Final Fantasy racing game. And then it turns out the game that you buy for uh, 40 pounds, which I guess is like, what, $60? Uh, $80. Has a, $80. It has just a bunch of uh, mobile game mechanics in it. And it's like, oh, oof. cool. <laughs> oof, oof. So it's kind of, it would kind of suck if that was part of Gran Turismo 7 too. Agreed. Which brings me to our technical and performance section, yes. which we entered at because the first part I want to discuss is we mentioned it's a more or less online only game for a game that if you don't touch the sport and the lobbies, I don't see why you need an online connection for it to work. Uh, I, I guess so. The, you don't cheat and get credits because they want you to pay for them. Whoa, wait, you, you mean like hack your save game and like change the, the, the raw value there? Things I like that? I would imagine. Well, it's a, it's a cloud save anyway, so you would have to like hack the API or something. Right, that's true, it's a cloud save. It, it's, there are a lot of things in this game that you can interpret cynically as, well, it's to sell credits. Mm, I see. So, as Yannick mentioned, uh, in the intro, um, it is online only, uh, or nearly online only uh there are a couple of 
I mean, you get Music Rally, you get, I think, four races that you can race on with like six cars. So it's like, don't get too excited about playing this game offline. That's kind yeah, of why I gave up on the whole hard copy thing. Yeah, yeah, and that's why I'm I'm not saying it's online only ish. I think what's available right now offline is just laughable. So I assume that you need an, an internet connection, which is another disappointment. Uh, because overall, oh, you are about to say something. Famously, my internet sucks. Uh, <laughs> so one of the important things to note about this game is if your internet goes out but you are not at the finish line yet, pause your game before the finish line, fix your internet, and then if you finish, it will save as a success, which is good uh, because I have saved my uh, progress many way, many times that way. Uh, if your internet goes out while you're in a menu, it seems that all network calls are asynchronous, which means it jams the interface every time it tries to contact the network. It will jam uh. there for an entire minute until it times out. Uh, if your internet goes out and then the game is kind of like not really programmed to handle this case. Well, it just boots you to the main menu and then you only have world circuit as an option, uh, which sucks. And then you just have to wait for your internet to come back and go into uh, reconnect and it'll go back up. It's a good thing. I found out about the, um, the pausing in front of the, the starting line, a uh, trick while I was doing championships because especially late game championships like uh, Gran Turismo World Championship is a 90 minute championship. You do not want to, your internet to crash in the middle of that thing. But if it crashes on your last lap and you can pause and fix your internet and then continue your event, that's better than nothing. Uh, I was very worried that it was just going to crap out entirely. And luckily uh, that does not seem to be the case. So what you're saying is that if you complete an event and then your internet comes up, the kind of like data, the data in your save is not processed back online in your cloud save. Yeah. So um, for example, I completed a race. My internet died on the screen before the uh, the credits and all of that stuff right, were given. Right. And basically like it showed the animation to show that I got the credits press the cross button, the interface jammed for a minute, and then it kicked me to the main menu and it said, sorry, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And then the internet came back up, I reconnected, and my progress for that race was gone, so I had to redo it. What? Oh my goodness. Okay, that's bad. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I lost okay. progress twice, and then I found out about the, the finish line thing, and I, I just did that every time. And, like, I'm planning to do a video on Gran Turismo 7, and I have, like, six hours of footage of this game uh, that I have. And, like, very often you see the thing pop up, which is, like, PlayStation Network can't be reached in the bottom right corner. And it's like, oh, okay, I'm just going to pause at the finish line and wait for five minutes for this to come back. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, that would be my main... I haven't experienced this, but that would be my main downside of the technical and performance aspect of this game. It's definitely a pain in the ass, yeah. Because I... Again, I'm not a huge nerd about like the, the frame rates, and I'm sure Yannick will have some things to say about that. I will include two links from our friends from uh, Digital Foundry that have a, a review of the game, uh, technically speaking, and a comparison between base, PS4, PS4 Pro, and PS5, which they are better than at. But to my eyes, to my eyes, and to my perceptions of performance, this is amazing and. There have been a lot of complaints about the PS3 era of games because they moved yes. to HD and they were pretty slow. Uh, but 
I'm not I'm not gonna say I don't care because the second I'll experience the PS5 uh, experience, I'll want the instant loading of everything. But as with those uh, HD installments, the cinematography of this game is just amazing. Yes. Even if it's just animation in between menus, the animations are cinematographic. It's crazy what they do about that. And even the short films to introduce championships and that, and that is still polished. Like, I haven't seen any weird issues or weird animations or like kind of like weird bugs where like they would uh, stutter or something like that. And I feel that that part of the game, the technical and performance aspect is quite polished, even if I run on a base PS4. Yeah. And because, again, because I was watching uh, the digital from the video, I uh, get out my stopwatch and compare it because my PS4, yes, it's a base one, but I, when I wanted to get more storage space, I decided to buy an SSD. So I was able to see fatter, faster uh, load times compared to a HDD base uh, PS4. But again, we're not talking to three seconds at worst compared like the PS5. We're talking about more 20, 25 seconds versus 30, 35 seconds load times to load the race uh, on base PS4s. So it's a bit faster. Uh, but, and I think that would be my main, no, the main outline is it's required online connectivity for a game that has a campaign mode that is more or less right now. We don't really see the benefit as users of the game, uh, for its online requirements. Uh, that would be the, the first one. The second one was, yeah, I agree. Uh, uh, the load times are a bit slow. They're not uber slow or as slow as on ps3 so if you use to slow time from the ps3 that's that and i guess it's it's one of the main downsides of the hd based gt games uh but i think it is worth the wait because it is amazingly good to look at even on a tiny on a tiny console like the base ps4 yeah uh i played this game in ray tracing mode so Uh um why uh, because I don't want to see it. I'll, oh, I'll want okay. to buy a PS5, and I want to pay $300 extra for a PS5 right now. So what's interesting about ray tracing mode is it's only activated in replays and basically any other kind of cinematic content uh, outside of races. So this means all of the GT Cafe cutscenes are ray traced. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of the stuff in the garage is ray traced. Uh, replays, like I mentioned, what I found really weird about this game is obviously it does not have B spec mode. Otherwise, I'd probably have talked about it because I most of the way through a B spec only playthrough of Gran Turismo 4 for some reason. Uh, <laughs> if there was a game to have B spec, this is the one to do it because it has ray tracing. If you're not right. playing, I don't get it. Um, it would have been really nice to have uh, B spec in this game because it would have looked fucking fantastic. Um, Otherwise, it's really cool. Uh, it does the thing. I think GT5 and 6 were like this as well, where technically when the camera is outside of the car in races, at the starter races and all that stuff, it is technically running in replay mode for a brief period of time. So hmm. that camera angle will run at 30 until you get behind the wheel of your car and then it's at 60. That is kind of the most jarring performance transition in the game i would say 
Otherwise, I don't really mind it. The other place you really notice it is in Brand Central because the Brand Central escalator is ray traced at 30 frames per second, but the cars in the dealership are not. They are at 60 frames per second and not ray traced, which is really strange. And I made a dumb joke that it's just showing priorities that people would rather ray trace the escalator than the cars uh, in Brand Central. But there you go. So ray, trace, ray tracing looks great. Uh, I think the way that Gran Turismo models car paints, all the various kinds of car paints, is the best rendering in the entire uh, space. Um, sorry, Forza, but I just prefer the Gran Turismo style to it. Um, yeah, it looks really, really good. It it feels like... I mean, I, I played uh, Gran Turismo Sport on PS5 a couple weeks ago uh, as warming up for GT7, and I thought GT Sport looked bad. Um, there are a lot of things like trees that seem really off in Gran Turismo Sport, uh, especially like foliage and like grass and stuff like that. It feels really weird and off when you're playing Gran Turismo Sport. And it looks much better on GT5. And when I was watching the Digital Foundry comparison, it was like, oh, that's how GT5 looks on all the older consoles. Uh, it's just since there was no like PS5 graphics mode for GT Sport, uh, that's why it looked goofy in comparison to like if I go play Dirt 5 or whatever. Uh, it just looks more next-gen in those games than uh, than in GT Sport. So yeah, it looks really good. I think the way they did all the downscaling thing is really nice. There have been rumors that there is going to be a PC version of this and that the PS4, PS4 Pro, and PS5 presets are all different graphics presets for the PC version, Hmm. uh, which would not be shocking. I just hope that they fix the state of the content in the game before it comes out on PC or people will hate it. Oh, that would be mean if they fix it only for the PC version. That well, they won't do that. There, it's a PlayStation game. Come on. Yeah, I hope so. But even the fact that the Sony is making the games on the PC is, oh, but when let's go, let's not go in that tangent. Yeah, that's a whole other show. Um, so yeah, I think te- technically this game is really great. Uh, load times being instant is fantastic. I think it's. It's a big game changer for Gran Turismo. I think that's part of the reason it only took me 18 hours to beat this game is because I never had to wait for anything. Most of the time, the game was <laughs> waiting for me, which is a big change for Gran Turismo. Um, like, you can do... I don't know. Have you tried tuning your car for performance point uh, calculations yet? Uh, like, yes. going into the tuning screen and pressing the measure button? Yes. How much time does it take to calculate? Uh, for example, of a second. It's not too. Uh, that is not too slow. But is it a couple seconds or? No, no, no. Uh, I would say you press it spins maybe once or twice and then. Okay. So it's it's maybe like, I would say one to three second at most. Uh, okay. I don't recall waiting the same way. I have to wait when a, a race starts, where I literally pull up my phone well, and look at Twitter, for not. example. <laughs> But like the the way they measure PP is by having the car race an imaginary lap around a track. Really? Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, they completely changed the math from GT6. Uh, I, I so, know they changed the map, but I didn't know it was like because the car races uh, yeah. in the engine, huh? Which is why tires have such a different uh, has such a huge impact on the thing because traditionally tires have always been the biggest performance differentiator in Gran Turismo games. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah. 
that was immediate. Like, I, I don't know. It's, it's just a really polished game, technically. I can't really complain about anything. The only frame drops I've seen have been on 20-player races when it's raining at dusk, which is the worst-case scenario, because you have the headlights and you have the rain and you have the splashing of the rain on the ground and you have 20 cars in front of you. Uh, that's a lot of shit to render. And I think, like, technically, PS4 Pro does better in that scenario than PS5 because I'm rendering at 4K instead of, like, 1440p or whatever. Uh, but, like, the, the frame drop is... It happens at the start, and that's it. Afterwards, once you're off on your way, it doesn't really become problematic, and it doesn't feel as bad as the PS3 versions, which I do remember being quite bothered by the frame rate on gt6 and gt5 uh i love those games anyway but it was kind of a pain so yeah no, nothing else on the technical front for me uh like i said earlier dual sense implementation is really good wish i could play this in hdr mm-hmm. ah you can come play it in 4k hdr if you want uh, maybe later this year i don't know <laughs> good so conclusion time um okay so as a number installment of gran turismo i think it's pretty clear from this literally two hours and 30 minutes ish episode that it is missing key elements that makes a gran turismo game a gran turismo game yes i'm not saying it's bad person i think that's where you and i will differ i'm disappointed yes i am <laughs> I don't know if it's because GT Sport kind of set the path that maybe things are not going to be the same ever again for Gran Turismo games. It's interesting you say that because that's kind of where I was going to. Oh, okay. Because I am disappointed, but I recall I was utterly disappointed when GT Sport came out. Even if it was not a, like a number installment, I think part of it was it was not a number installment. It's like, oh, we, will we ever get a number installment on PS4? We kind of did, but barely. Uh, Yes, we get GT7 on the PS4, but uh, it was somewhat clear that it was supposed to be a PS5 only at some point, and then they kind of backtracked on that. Um, and that's where I'm like, at least, even if I'm not the biggest fan of GT Cafe for a campaign, I'll dare to say that it's a better first campaign than what GT Sport shipped with. But it diverged so much from what I love from 456. That it's kind of like grinding my teeth a bit. On the other end, compared to Yannick, uh, where I also spent 20 uh, hours in the game, but I haven't completed the game. Uh, it's pretty interesting because I felt that with GT Sport, for example, like you could spend a little bit of time in the first campaign, not the one that you can play right now uh, if you were to download the game. Uh, like you would have not spent 30, 20 hours doing that. It was so small and so limited that you couldn't do that. So on that, on that front, I'm happy that we get more content overall. Uh, I feel it's a bit lacking for a number installment and that the direction they decided to do is different. And I'm not sure if I'm a fan or not of it yet. I think it is different and there's still the, the shock of it being different. I don't want to do a leap of faith. And going back to what I said about the leap of faith of making sure that they do updates, blah, blah, blah. Still unclear. Like there's updates coming, nothing touching the campaign. And Yannick, I think you've been pretty clear. It's like, 
you feel that it's going to be that's the campaign and that's the campaign and uh even a week after the release it seemed that no not that much people are bitching about gt cafe that much as or as loudly as people were doing with gt sports campaign so yeah kind of leaves me in this strange spot where i worry that like even if the campaign the original campaign is better than the one in gt sport i worry that once i'm done with the campaign let's say in the next couple of weeks i won't wait for the updates if the updates are here to come like the fact that i looked at gt sport when gt sport was literally dying as a game because gt7 was announced and we know that nothing else will come out of this game was problematic per se as a gt fan that's not normal i literally skipped two years of update and not cared one cent for it and i still have this kind of feeling that this will be like that will might be what happened with gt7 and that's where my disappointment lies is yes I'll complete the campaign because I'm a huge fan of Gran Turismo games. But I'm not sure if I'll be there for what's coming in the years to come. And especially waiting since... I forgot when GT6 got released. Uh, so uh, it's like 2014. 2013, because, 2014, yeah. 20, like, just at the end of the PS3 era. Yeah. Like, we're close... Let's imagine, worst case scenario, there's not that much changes. We might be close to 10 years to possibly the next version where we would like to see some of the changes and at that point if it is 10 12 years after gt6 that we see yet another numbered installment to try to fix gt cafe my hopes might be pretty low that Mm -hmm. gt cafe is going to be the new norm or something that is not what gt456 was will be the new norm and that worries me quite a lot. When the pace of your releases is so long compared to like Forza, which has a game every year, right? it becomes a lot harder to repair reputational damage to your brand because there are so much more stakes with the next installment every time. And I think that's the second damage they've done in the yeah. past four years. Like on, the, on, on this huge brand that is Gran Turismo. So that's more or less where I leave. And again, I'll continue. Like, I really want to, this time around, I really want to complete the campaign. I don't even think I completed the first campaign. I for sure didn't complete the, the new campaign in GT Sport. But this time, I kinda, I, I'm motivated. I want to finish it. And I think there's a lot of, like, where my motivation comes from is I see the vision and I hope that it will go where I want to go. But my more pessimistic side of me is saying, uh, no, like, don't believe they'll go there because there's no proof, no promises they'll go there ever since this release. So I have two theories as to what happened with Gran Turismo 7 that led it to be the way it is. The first one is that Polyphony Digital is starting to feel the heat from Forza and they're starting to lose confidence in what makes Gran Turismo unique amongst racing games. You can see it with all of the little nods to stuff that Forza does that Gran Turismo traditionally has not. I think this is really... its It feels like the first Gran Turismo game to do anything to acknowledge Forza. And that was something that uh, a lot of people were talking about in the select button thread about Gran Turismo, is that 
like some people want Polyphony Digital to address the threat from Forza and sort of be forced to adapt to that reality. And I, I don't necessarily think that leads the game in the direction that I want it to be, but I'm open with changes to the formula. I just, I, I want the changes to, uh, to the formula to be executed well. And I don't think this is really doing it because it doesn't have like, it, it doesn't feel like Gran Turismo to me. It feels like Gran Turismo aesthetically only. It only has the vibe. It doesn't have the structure and the journey. The other theory that I have is something that I've been thinking ever since everybody got in an uproar about Gran Turismo Sport is Gran Turismo development is no longer sustainable at the levels of fidelity that Polyphony Digital is known for. Remember what the reason for Gran Turismo Sport was, and I think a lot of people have erased this from their mind. Gran Turismo Sport was an attempt for changing the model for how Gran Turismo games were going to be developed. The entire initiative's goal was to stop making numbered versions of Gran Turismo that had to deliver the whole GT experience at once every couple years, and instead release a suite of smaller scope games focused on a single aspect of the GT experience. Gran Turismo Sport was always supposed to just be a multiplayer game. It's just the messaging was bad and people didn't really catch on to that until after the game shipped. The idea behind, again, that sort of suite of smaller scope games was that these games would share an engine that would serve as a common foundation that would help them share assets between the games and uh, evolve technological enhancements over time. It would let them build out a richer Gran Turismo ecosystem over a longer period of time than what they would normally be given between numbered releases. And I think that is a healthier, more sustainable way to develop Gran Turismo if if I put myself in the shoes of the polyphony digital developers however fans got in the way and i I consider myself one of those fans (laughs) we got in the way and did not react well to gran turismo sport and they basically called the entire plan off and they returned to a numbered version model but all of the reality and complexity of developing a complete gran turismo experience in that kind of time frame has not changed in fact it's only gotten worse now we have to deal with 4k uh (laughs) we have to deal with 4k hdr and dual sense integrations and even more shit that we have to deliver at a high fidelity. So it's like, what are you going to do to make that better? Like it's, I make this point a lot when talking to people about magic arena, because magic, the gathering players don't understand how software development works. You can't just throw (laughs) more developers at the problem. That's not how software development works. It doesn't just magically get features done. It helps, but you need workflow changes and stuff to actually accommodate that. I'm skeptical that we can have numbered Gran Turismo's that live up to our expectations anymore. And I think um, one of the things I've said a lot about uh, trying to live up to Gran Turismo 4 is it's kind of a a Jiro Dreams of Sushi scenario. So Jiro Dreams of Sushi is a documentary about uh, this sushi chef Jiro, which is widely considered to be the best in Japan. And the movie is basically like a two-prong thing. It's one prong about Jiro's philosophy on work and work ethic and life and all of that stuff and then the other prong is his sons trying to succeed this person who has like the highest michelin rating for sushi and like it's family business you have to live up to the reputation of your father and it's like the the situation that comes up there is well the sons are going to have to be more than twice as good as the father to live up to his reputation if they just give the same thing as their dad, in the eyes of the public, it will not be considered as better. And I think that's sort of the situation we've reached with Gran Turismo, uh, especially Gran Turismo 4, is 
unless you can make a campaign that is twice as good as Gran Turismo 4, nobody's going to care. It is not going to beat Gran Turismo 4 in the eyes of gamers. And I think we're sort of at that point, and we've been at that point for quite a while. Like Gran Turismo 5 and 6 are great campaigns, but it's not better than Gran Turismo 4. It's technologically better than Gran Turismo 4, but the campaign isn't better than Gran Turismo 4. Yeah, and I think I think you're making a point of that because even if I'm thinking, oh yeah, I just want to go into this full four campaign in 4K and then with newer cars, like it's still a big achievement to do. It's like Gran Turismo Seven has about 400 cars. Most of them are reused from Gran Turismo Sport. They've done a couple passes to add additional like effects and stuff for the newer hardware, but. Adding new cars takes, I believe they said for like Gran Turismo Sport, it takes one man year of effort to actually make a car. So you're not going to get your Gran Turismo for 700 cars in Gran Turismo 7 unless they bring on a fuck ton of people. Uh, And I don't know, like the heights people are chasing are never going to happen at this fidelity. And we sort of have to learn to get over it. And I think trying to go to the smaller scope model was a way to try and address that and to sort of like only focus on one aspect at a time we just didn't let them do it and now i think we're paying the price for that uh i'm not saying that it would have played out perfectly either Mm -hmm. but part of me wonders what the game would look like in that timeline and the thing that is especially apparent to me having beaten the game is with the licenses that are not used at all uh ibia and super and nothing unlocking when you beat the game that uses those licenses, it feels like half a Gran Turismo game. And I'm starting to think this game is just unfinished. And they just wanted to get it out for PS5 as soon as possible because there's like this institutional pressure to get a Gran Turismo out on the new platform. I don't know if it's going to get better over time, but it's just really hard, especially with like the weird shit, like the dialogue referring to stuff that might not be in the game. Is like, it's... It feels unfinished to me, and I think it's the first time I can actually say that a Gran Turismo game feels unfinished because it's always had so much polish. And like th- this is very polished as well, but it's just it just stops. The game is over, and it's like, wait, I thought there was supposed to be more here. And I think that's kind of why I want to continue playing it because the way you're describing me, it to me in for the past few days is, I get the sense that's that literally after the game is gone and. And not gone into they, they just didn't do it, and I think literally that's part of the disappointment is where is this where is that and it's funny that you mentioned the the twice as good or even more than twice as good because it reminded of me of what I was taking especially of GT six I think GT six might not be the best achievement but as a PS three game it it the nail into like it has a good campaign and it was an HD game. And it had the car of the moment. And I, if I'm thinking about this day, that's kind of what I wanted GT7 to be, is a typical Gran Turismo campaign. And you know what? It could be a bit better. Like, could it be better than GT4? Maybe, maybe not. Like, who cares? But I, like, following what happened with GT Sport, I just wanted one with a normal campaign, which it's a couple of the boxes, like rallies, useful licenses, a couple of engine races. With newer cars and like yeah. um, like you say, you said that they use a lot of uh, of the models from GT Sport. Like my Focus RS is not in GT Sport, and I was so happy to see it. It is in in uh, Gran Turismo Seven, and 
And and then in the same thought process, I was like, oh, let me look if there's a new uh, Chevrolet Corvette, the C8. And no, it's not there. Guess what? Because possibly they didn't get the car in time uh, to spend the one uh, the one year of like digitalization process to make it work because it's a new car. And guess what? It got shipped into the COVID period that we're in too. So, so yeah. Uh, your theories are really on point, I think. It's... I wouldn't be surprised it's a mix of both with that, what's currently happening. And that's sad. The other me. thing I want to bring up is uh, you mentioned not coming back from the patches. Traditionally, I've always played Gran Turismo games around a uh, launch period. And this I did not know. I only found out uh, this month. Apparently, like Gran Turismo 5, after I finished it, there was so much bitching about the Gran Turismo 5 campaign, which I... Honestly, don't remember why they would have bitched about the Gran Turismo 5 campaign, but apparently there was. And they completely retooled it in what was called Gran Turismo 5 Spec 2, Hmm. which was like a major patch for the game that came out like long after I had finished playing it. And like people have been speculating, well, what if this happens to be Gran Turismo 7 Spec 2? And I'm like, part of me is like career long. it's late. I can't even find the word for it. Pessimist. <laughs> uh, yes. I've been a pessimist for my entire life. I, I don't <laughs> want to uh, live in hope of there being a spec to update for this game. But like you mentioned also Gran Turismo Sport, like they, they have this tendency of fixing issues with the game after the fact, if they exist. So knowing that this is a pattern that has been repeated does give me hope that they might do something. But I'm kind of with you. It's like, I beat the game already. I don't know how willing I'm going to be to give it a second chance, especially given how linear it is. Like, Gran Turismo 5, it was a traditional Gran Turismo camping where you could make different choices and all of that stuff on your second playthrough. This has, like, literally zero replayability because of how linear it is. Yeah, you have to go live through the pain again, more or less. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I can pick up Gran Turismo 4. Like, I have two saves of Gran Turismo 4 going right now at the same time. I have one all B spec and one A spec. Uh, mm. I've, I can go back and play Gran Turismo 3 if I really want to hate myself. I can go play <laughs> Gran Turismo 2, which I'm trying to 100% now. Uh, all of these games have traditionally had so much replayability because of how much agency you have to do stuff in the game. And it's really weird that this one does not and therefore even if they patch it it's going to be a weird experience trying to figure out what they patched because i don't think you can reset your game either oh really i haven't seen it if you can hmm interesting um and i'm not suggesting they should do that but what do you say what are you saying about like if they decide to patch it then they won't change the reality like we're not even suggest we're not suggesting either that they should do like a, a full on Destiny Two moment where they literally with the updates like have rewritten the whole game that what you played maybe three seasons ago of the game is literally a complete different game. Like but that's kinda of what we want out of GT Cafe is like this needs to change. Uh and with some of the assumption you just mentioned, I'm not sure if Polyphony Digital has the willingness to do such broader changes without doing a new game. Yeah, and honestly, I I mean, I say this, but like 
I would rather see that effort go into making the next game good because they can't fix the reputation of this one. That's the problem, right? Uh, mm-hmm. There's only so much you can patch a game after the fact to try and repair it. I mean, like there there are outliers. Go look at No Man's Sky, which is like a miraculous case. Like that game was a PR disaster for years and now everybody loves it all of a sudden. Uh, so the, there are rooms for miracles like that, but... I wouldn't count on it. I would personally rather see another Gran Turismo game that's better. But again, I'm like, I'm, I'm thinking how much effort goes into each Gran Turismo game and how many years is that going to be? And is it going to be too late? And I, I honestly don't know what the answer is here. Uh, for me, I think the answer is going to be going to play more Gran Turismo 4 and Gran Turismo 2 and sort of pretending this game doesn't exist for a while. I, I, I do want to recommend another game because I think... I, I know that I am shitting a lot on this game for being different from past Gran Turismo games. And I want to recommend a game to people who want to play something that feels a lot like Gran Turismo while does while doing something completely different from Gran Turismo. And hmm. that is Enthusia Professional Racing for the PS2 by Konami. This was their Gran Turismo. They spent five years working on it. Uh, it came out, I think, two weeks before Gran Turismo 4, which is why nobody talked about it. <laughs> oh, this game is fantastic. It's better than Gran Turismo 3. The gimmick behind this entire game is that the career mode is... It, it, it's an event-based career mode kind of like Gran Turismo, except instead of buying cars, you just own the cars that are in your collection and you get uh, prize cars every so often. And you are basically on this leaderboard of racers uh, in the league and you have to climb to number one. And the way you get points is by completing races with as weak a car as possible and if you get podium finishes with the weakest cars you have you get a lot of points compared to if you use faster cars and that incentivizes you to specialize in getting better at older cars or worse cars and this game is fucking amazing you can find it on ebay for 20 dollars. i recommend it highly it is a very good game it is one of my top games of the year so far it feels a lot like a Gran Turismo game that was not fitting into the traditional structure, but the goals of the journey and the tone are very similar to Gran Turismo. And I think that works a lot better as a good uh, like proxy Gran Turismo game than Gran Turismo 7 does. And it's proof that you can do things different and shake up the formula, but as long as the vibe and the journey aspects of it really stick the structure can be malleable and change in very different ways and lead to new experiences that are honestly more unique than Gran Turismo 5 and Gran Turismo 6 were. Um, so yeah, if you're interested in playing a better <laughs> a better Gran Turismo campaign, go play Enthusia. It's a great game. I recommend it highly. I hope you put that link in the show notes and also send me a link to uh, eBay searches of it because that sounds like a game I should put in my list. It's fantastic. I got it last year around Christmas and I have gotten halfway through it and it's really great and I want to play it more. Oh, I even have a bit of a suggestion. Maybe when I get back my copy of Silent Hill, like, it comes with it for a, a long oh, ball yeah, repair. I can do that. That's true. Huh? That's, a, that's a good thing. Uh, I think overall, uh, I hope you are also good fans of Gran Turismo and you enjoy our episode about Gran Turismo 7. I wouldn't be surprised too that like I did with GT Sport uh, in hopefully not a couple of years from now, but in a couple of months when some of the patches are out, we have uh, follow-up items or a full-on episode updates on the changes. Uh, 
I have some optimism, but uh, yeah, it's not so high <laughs> right now, sadly. But I'll report back once I complete the game. That's for sure in the companion episodes uh, in follow-up section. Once I've completed the game, I want to say uh, that I've completed it and complain or not complain more, but at least mention that I've completed it and uh, see some of the updates. And I think that should wrap it up for today, Nick. Three hours, baby. Yep, yep, yep. That's a long one for this week. Yep. So if you want to find the show notes for this episode, you can find them at limitlessimpossibility.net slash 179. You can also find the entire back catalog of our show at limitlessimpossibility.net. This show is on Twitter at limipo underscore podcast. That's L-I-M-I-P-O underscore podcast. You can find us individually on Twitter. I am at Sakarina. That's S-A-K-U-R-I-N-A. And you can find Nukadivi at Lukonosh. That's L-U-C-C-O-N-O-U-C-H-E. And we'll see you in two weeks.